I was a man in the tall grass. Bummer. Hello? Okay, it's letting me invite John up. John, can you hear me? Testing one, two, three. Yes, I can hear you, John. Is that any better? Yeah, I can hear you clear. I, I don't know if the audience can hear us. Let me oh, the... apparently the chat says that they can. So whatever oh. that was, <laughs> sometimes uh, you just got to plug it, unplug it, and plug it back in, I guess. Yeah, I see some people saying it's the deep state. They're trying to prevent this conversation. So. <laughs> <laughs> Would not be surprised, but anyway. <laughs> All right, well, let's make the most of it then. What's on your mind tonight, John? <laughs> yeah, so basically, um, I'm just deeply disappointed in hearing someone like Joe, who uh, allegedly is a leftist, pretty much blame the help, uh, pretty much mm. blame the workers, and that's just really disappointing. And, and uh, I, he completely failed to concede your point that, like, hey, Respondent superior kind of exists, like you're ultimately responsible. If I'm a member of Congress, if I'm a senator or representative or president or whoever, you best believe I'm like vetting what you're publishing with my name on it. Mm -hmm. And like my staff will be trained, hey, put this by my desk. Let me lay eyes on it before you push it out or put it on the Internet. Like, no, I I don't buy that for a second. Uh, I think that's just some cover, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. And I just kind of disappointed uh, in the way maybe I got the impression the way he says small factions, uh, just a couple of people, small factions, basically saying with small ideas. Um, And I'm like, is this like an innuendo or a way you're saying like, oh, we small minded Americans who possibly couldn't have a clue uh, and are just not in the right mindset 
believe these types of things or support the letter. And it, I just found him to be very dismissive and like the, the epiphany of what a working class kind of just standard person, average American, you, you gave him the statistics, the quotes, um, would think. And it's just, he seems to be totally dismissive of that. Like only experts' opinion matter in this regard. Yeah. And I, and, yeah. It was really hurtful, uh, in my opinion. And the most annoying thing that I literally said, I was driving uh, in the car and I said, when he said, you know, basically, how dare they issue this letter so close to an election when your mm-hmm. president is the same party. I said, I don't give a fuck. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, this is the same excuse that Republicans did with George W. Bush. You know, we, we can't bring this up. We can't talk about the Afghanistan and the Iraq problems. Um, but because he's the president, he's our party. We've got to back him up. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, no, you still got to call it out. And he seems to like have a different, understanding and maybe i'm not quite as educated in history as he is but uh, of course france helped in the american revolution but they didn't directly stoke the war with great mm-hmm. britain mm-hmm. They, they certainly offered aid but they didn't poke the what did you say the you know the, bear. Call the drunk man's drunk yeah. man's uh, wife ugly yeah um and that just kind of was just utterly dis- he was just kind of utterly dismissive of what americans actually feel like and i feel like that's endemic of uh, everyone in that city. I mean, it, it's just very disappointing to hear. Um, and I, for one, kind of uh, agree with you on this point, uh, being that we seem to have endless aid and endless money to help other people. And my heart goes out to the Ukrainian people. My heart goes mm-hmm. out to the Haitian people. Mm-hmm. My heart goes out to all of these people who are suffering far worse than we are here in the uh, America. Uh, But we are suffering here. I mean, I was in D.C. this past weekend for a family event, and I drove past dozens and dozens of city squares filled with homeless tents of poor, you know, mentally ill, suffering people. Um, And and that's right in their backyard. And they seem to not have the pulse on what the American people and the working class and how much we have been suffering. Mm -hmm. And, and, And that's just that's really a problem for me. Um, and to hear him speak in such a dismissive attitude uh, is just really troubling. And uh, I, I think your your segment on um, rising last week, because that's where I primarily follow you at, um, was kind of spot on. If there's uh, the Democrat Party's dead, the, the left either needs the progressives either need to take it or we, we just need to get out of it altogether because it's clearly not working. Big tent politics does not work. Um, Except maybe on the Republican side, because they don't seem to have an issue with members stepping out of line. As well, well, I don't. I don't think that there's an issue with big tent po- politics. I mean, that was my critique of the AOC clip. It has nothing to do with the fact that that's a big tent. It has to do with the fact that you're trying to convince the members of this coalition to care about the dumbest shit <laughs> that nobody cares about, and then be mad when they leave and go to the other party or stay at home. The tent exists because at some point, somebody pitched it using policies and principles that a lot of people subscribe to. And now as people have been like narrowing and narrowing the field, the Chuck Schumer is running around saying for every working class voter we lose, we pick up a soccer mom in Connecticut or whatever the hell. They're the ones that have deconstructed the tent. And then they want to turn around and blame like diversity 
oh, there's just too many diverse people in the Democratic Party. I'm sorry, that's fucking racist. <laughs> like, no, everybody is agreeing. Black people, brown people, gay people, straight people are all agreeing on our priorities. And you, the Democratic Party, are refusing to meet them. You see flashing letters, inflation, economy at the top of every poll, and you choose to not speak to that issue. You choose to not message around Republican attacks on Social Security and Medicare. You choose to not uh, to, to, to give an ear to all of the frustrations with how much money we're spending in Ukraine after we spent two years, two years with everybody screaming about how we couldn't spend another red cent on Americans in the middle of a global economic crisis. <laughs> they're they're, they're right, right now. I've got about 15 emails from Reverend Warnock in my inbox today, hollering and kvetching and and beating their oh, chest Brianna, and resting my, their he limbs. Is, he is my senator. I'm actually in Savannah, so yes. I, yeah, I'm over Georgia. You know what you could have done if you cared so goddamn much about Georgia? The the the, the activists who broke their butts, who broke their backs, and beat the pavement to get people to make Joe Biden win for some ungodly reason, and and got Joe uh, got um, Raphael Warnock in there in the first place, <laughs> did so on the promises of two thousand dollar checks, student yeah. debt cancellation. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Public option, all of this stuff, Voting Rights Act, none of which has happened. None of which <laughs> exactly. has happened. <laughs> exactly, and that's why someone like Herschel Walker is a is abysmal and disturbed a candidate as he is. It is so neck and neck here because uh, I live here. I, I inter, you know, have relationships with some of the people around here and they all mention that. Well, why would I vote for this man again? Why would I do this? I'm done right. with this. No, I'll wait till 2024 before I start caring again, you know? Right. And uh, I really like that you took a principled stand because I don't hear a lot of people do that. Um, you know, what is the moral imperative? What is the moral principle for us to intervene in Ukraine, but not elsewhere? Mm-hmm. And I felt like he was given vibes like, Oh, mm-hmm. Oh, they're, they're, a burgling, you know, growing democracy. They're doing all these things. I I, I gotta say, the word democracy (laughs) added to the list of my triggers with organizing. (laughs) (laughs) There's a list of words that seem good on their face, but which I think are manipulation. And and not always, obviously. I don't mean like actual organizing, but we've discussed it enough on this program that you guys don't know what I mean by that. Organizing at the top of the list, I'm going to throw democracy up there too. Because what the hell is democracy? What do you even fucking mean? Ukraine, don't I don't mean to, I have no means, interest. Brianna, we, I, we look, don't even know what it means. Like, I, I, we, exactly. We, I'm not here to dog on Ukrainians. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm not here to dog on them. But that is like one of the most corrupt countries in the world. <laughs> uh, okay. Yes. yes. And, it's like uh, the number four biggest cryptocurrency country because that's how everyone can move their money around because it's all criminal enterprises and oligarchs. Yes, and the people often forget some of the human rights abuses they had before this started. I mean, they are incredibly uh, – I, I keep up with this. I'm a, a gay man, and I'm always interested mm-hmm. where we intervene and how they treat gay people. They are very, very – they have a staunch history of being you know, anti-gay, uh, lots of hate crime, lots of issues going on. That's mm-hmm. not to say a country can't grow and progress much like we have. We have more work to do, but you know, we just seem to – dump all of that out of our brains to go on this crusade. And I like that you were like principled enough and, and he couldn't really answer it. Well, why not China with the Uyghurs? You know, why not them? Why not Saudi Arabia? You know, why not these other places uh, where, where there's lots of pain and suffering and people are being oppressed? 
And like, at least have the courage and, and the honesty to level with the American people and say, we won't invade China because literally that will plunge our, our entire country uh, and, and that'll immiserate us. Everything we have is from there. There are capital for tech chips, everything. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why we don't do that. Oh, Saudi mm-hmm. Arabia? Mm-hmm. Because, because you need power for wintertime. And you need mm-hmm. air conditioning and you need electricity. So that's why we won't help those poor suffering people like level with us. I think we all know why they want. And those are the reasons. And we have to make moral sacrifices in our heart, no matter how much it hurts. That like, yeah, we had to sell, sell our souls a little and deal with that. But like no one has made that same argument of like, what, why are we doing this with Ukraine? Like besides vibes of democracy. And right. Like, he, he could never answer it. I, I, I haven't heard anyone. I haven't heard the president. I haven't heard uh, Anthony Blinken. Uh, yep. What's his name? Like, where is anyone talking about? Like, I want, just tell us the truth. Why are you doing this? And, and if it's for political gain or to, uh, like you said, the flailing empire to, to kind of maintain things there in Europe, like, I'm sorry, but... If I was a raging kind of fascist leader of, of a country that controlled the energy markets for an entire region that is not my best friend and I went to war and they started opposing me, I might cut off their power too during winter just to freeze them out. Like that is a cold, harsh reality. And like we seem to be, if you're looking at like how much money what all these countries are putting forward. Ours just keeps increasing, increasing, increasing. The other ones are kind of, they're contemplating, they're suffering. Like, look at uh, the United Kingdom. Their economy just plunged. They've had a new prime minister in, what, like two months. Mm -hmm. And and their people are starting to get frustrated more so than us because they're being directly impacted with, like, sky-high energy pricing. And, you you know, their governments are at least responding. Ours ours is like, oh, the American people, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just small-minded factions, small-minded people. (laughs) Well, apparently the news story from a couple of days ago or sometime over the weekend was that Biden had a call with Zelensky in June in which he asked for more aid and Biden lost his temper. So this idea that even Biden can apparently suggest some winnowing of the open spigot (laughs) and get a get like Zelensky up in arms about it. These are these are things that Biden is able to say and that and we aren't. Like this is this is what's so crazy about the letter too. The yeah. letter basically didn't. It only went as far as Biden has gone. It was like, bare it, minimum. It, it took it took the edge of what Biden has ever said and emphasized that, but didn't actually try to go any farther than what Biden has already said. So the idea that it was this like <laughs> break from the Biden administration and, or a condemnation of the Biden administration, and moreover that that midterms argument is so ridiculous. If anything, the the Democrats rallying behind this kind of ma- message could have boosted its odds in midterms. When that stupid fucking letter came out, that milk toast, mediocre, ridiculous <laughs> letter that should have been barely a blip on the radar, I was actually hopeful. A lot of us were like, okay, this is like a dog shit, bare minimum letter. But hey, maybe the protests of the squad members worked. Maybe they're finally getting a little bit more receptive. Maybe maybe something we, we've been saying is getting through. Maybe this is the start of something. And nope. then the colossal, spineless about face that happened over the next two days really drilled it home for people that no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't get hopeful about the Democratic Party. There is nothing here for you. And Brianna, I'll, I'll end on this point. He mentioned... There are much, uh, basically mentioned, I'm kind of paraphrasing, that 
there's much worse than what happens to our American citizens and Americans in the world. And we don't want to live under that. And that colonialism and that fascism is awful. Look what the Supreme Court just rejected to hear at the behest of Joe Biden to refuse to hear the argument that American Samoan people deserve U.S. citizenship despite being under our thumb for how many years? Look what we do to Puerto Rico. I didn't even see that. Yes, they rejected the case. And uh, the people arguing on the American Samoa side were like, this is a great way to undo the the racist consular cases uh, that were just full of racist bigotry and uh they were asking that like hey we are american citizens we deserve citizenship and joe biden absolutely his administration said no you no, this is for congress to decide we haven't granted them anything it needs to remain status quo supreme court refuses to hear it and then you look at puerto rico i know on rising uh, a couple weeks ago you've had um with the hurricanes happening everything mm-hmm. like look at how disarray their power structures are their infrastructure everything those people are suffering and they're under our thumb and like, like you mentioned, we have lots of people in cages here, too. We have mm-hmm. homeless encampments in every city. Mm-hmm. That Brittany Griner point, by the way, you know, oh. that was, I, I got to say, I was pretty frustrated by that point because you are not going to sit here. I'm sorry. And this is, they, this, people will say this is whataboutism or bosiderism. No. When you have the largest prison population in the world by a country mile and nowhere near the largest citizen population in the yeah. world. When you are the United States and you were a third of the size of China and you have scads more prisoners than they do, you don't get to, you do not get to open your mouth and say a single goddamn thing about Russia and Brittany Griner. I think what's happening to Brittany Griner is horrible. I think it's horrible. And honestly, I am, I am ashamed at how our media has basically ignored this case. There's no interest in it. And I think that there is, there's an element of racism, an element of sexism, an element of homophobia and all of it, to be really honest. However, <laughs> America doesn't get to sit here and say Russia is is somehow out of the bounds abhorrent for how it's treating Brittany Griner. You're not gonna get you're not gonna get me to basically go into World War Three against Russia because you can point to one prisoner that I happen to have a sandy for. <laughs> you know, that doesn't work like that. It just doesn't it just doesn't work like that. It's not both siderism. It's you have to look, it's not to say that Russia is bad is good. Oh, but you cannot. Russia not. is bad is not a good enough excuse to invade Russia because guess what? America is bad. People have bad shit going on, doing bad stuff all over the world. Do you have to have a better principle for why we're intervening now or why we would want to go to war now? That's all I'm saying. And to be honest, I think I've been bent over backward to be open to the idea that there is an yeah. argument for why we actually should be giving support to Ukraine. And, and perhaps in a not unlimited, but like in a longer term sort of a way. I am sincerely and in good faith sitting here, all ears willing to hear that argument. But nobody is able to make it because there are people in pain and struggling all across the world. And yes, right here in America, where we have capital cities, where people are going without water. We have kids mm-hmm. who are being poisoned by lead pipes who still can't shower in their own showers. that Their parents are paying hand over foot uh, for the water services. We have parts of this country in the deep south where, I'm sorry, my people are from, where pe- there's entire towns that have, don't have indoor, indoor plumbing and are living in conditions that look straight out of some antebellum film. Yep, you have yep. me, and you're talking on TV somewhere talking about blonde hair, blue-eyed children in Ukraine. God bless them. I really wish the best for them. I, I, I hope and pray for them. And they're, they're caught up in something that is not their fault. And every civilian, you know, I, 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 I'm deep in my soul, sorry for them. 
but you there there was a lot of there are a lot of sad sorry people yeah. in this world and either either we're gonna be the world's quote unquote policemen or humanitarians and actually come up with them some system of how to do this equitably or we're not gonna do it i i agree and i think this is where we have we the the left and democrats as a whole have just conceded the ground to create what did he call the MAGA Republican talking points or MAGA Republicans like no Donald Trump came about because he did put his ever so briefly and ever so uh, not wholeheartedly put his hand on the pulse and the anger and the you know the suffering of people and they felt they had a home in him there is no left home for people who are suffering who are going right. through all these things and in a way, there could be a way to go about, you know, hey, the left side needs its own, you know, America first. Like, yes, they're suffering everywhere, but we should take care of our own. We have people who are suffering, children, like you said, mental health care, cities filled with homeless people who desperately need substance abuse treatment or And it's it not even like, necessarily a zero-sum game, by the way. Like, it's not as though this is oh, how money works and, like, there's not much, like... Right. Like, and, and part of me resists even playing into that argument. But just because we spent two years of Democrats saying, oh, we don't have the money for this, and Republicans, obviously, but saying right. we don't have the money for all of these COVID programs or we don't have the money to keep child tax credit going. We don't have the money for this and the other. Like, it's just a slap in the face. $80 billion is what it would cost to cancel all medical debt in 2019. The, the number is higher now because of all the things that have happened since. But when we were fighting, on the Bernie campaign, the number was $81 billion to cancel all medical debt. And so look like, how uh, easily we could send that to Ukraine and all the people here who are going bankrupt and suffering and these families that are on their bended knees because of a cancer diagnosis. Where, where's the public conversation about that? Right, right. And that's where I go. Not necessarily like, hey, become isolationist like prior to or is it World War One or two? I forget mm -hmm. who the president was like. You know, complete isolationism, not advocating for that, but saying, OK, we'll give you humanitarian aid. We'll help with food. We'll help with medical care and resources like we're not going to completely abandon the world stage, but we are not your police and your defenders for every aggression that happens in the world. Let's divert these mil this uh, 800, almost 900 billion dollar defense budget. Let's divert that back to the American people who are suffering, because what's the point in having all this defense and policing the world being a bastion of quote unquote democracy and freedom when you're literally rotting from within, like this, yeah. this has happened in history before and they're just completely dismissive of it. Cause people like Joe call it small factions, small ideas, you know, th they don't know enough. It's the help's fault. It's your fault. And it's like, yeah. no, no, it's not. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I appreciate you calling in, John, and tolerating my ranting and helping me get through this uh, technical oh, issue. Thank you for tolerating mine. Thank you, everyone, for tolerating my ranting, too. <laughs> All right. Take care. Keep the faith. Thanks. Now, I see the list. Someone said that Chris was next in the list. I hope you mean Chris Brown because I'm bringing Chris Brown up. And thank you for continuing to, to publish the list so I don't have to keep scrolling back for it. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's a Monday, so, you know, Mondays are always great days. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Do you think that sarcastically? Yes, very sarcastic. Okay, all right. Then I'm on board. What's yeah. on your mind this particular Monday? Um, I wanted to definitely talk about like um your um the interview you just had with uh what's his name? Joe Serencione. Serencione. That's a very fancy last name. 
Yeah, I, yeah. Important. I had to walk him through. He had to walk me through pronouncing it, and um, I think it's it's a beautiful name. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like I think like the thing with that interview in particular, it was just I'll I'll, I'll speak for me, but it, it was just kind of how like smuggish he kind of sounded towards things, and I'm realizing this is like a really really bad. Well, actually. This is something I've been new, but this is really becoming a problem with the left. This idea how smug they sound and think that they just know better than everybody. And then you guys are just not privy to the things or, well, what about this? And what about that? And it's like, it is, and it's like really ringing on deaf ears. And I think you're seeing it. You're kind of seeing it right now, even when it comes to the polls and why people are leaving you. And it is mm-hmm. a part of it is really is this smug attitude that you have towards the idea of opposite opinions that aren't yours. Like when he made that comment about, um, when you brought up when you brought the Tulsi Gabbard clip in it and he was like, uh, uh, you really believe Tulsi Gabbard who was on Tucker Carlson's show? And it was like, bro, I'm like, 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 what does that mean? So hold on, hold on. Just the idea that a Republican is repeating something means you're against it. So mm-hmm. if so, if Republican, let's just say Republicans was like, you know what? Um, let's just go full uh, legalization of weed and cannabis. Are you telling me the Democratic message is going to be, well, weed is a gate- gateway drug. Mm-hmm. what are you talking about and it's like like how do you not like this like this this real notion that you just can't take like the idea of someone talking to someone else and mind you you won't like what you're bringing up is for the, the they won't have these conversations with these people they consider outsiders or grifters oh my god can you add grifter to the the list of <laughs> that you don't like because i I don't even know what a grifter is. I just see it all the goddamn time. Anytime I res- respond to a post or something like that, and, and you know, I have a, not a left of, well, I guess what they would consider a liberal mindset or towards an opinion or something like that. It's like automatic grifter, but it's like, it's like you have this opinion all the time. And it's just like, you don't realize how much that just turns people off. And it, like even Ilhan Omar, like she just got into it with some, I guess like the guy, I guess the guy that's in a cult or something like that who called her out. And then she finally responded was like, oh, you're not really, you give anti-war people a bad name and stuff like, it's like, okay, Ilhan, did you not realize you almost lost? Yeah. <laughs> but you're yeah. alienating a, a faction of the people who love you and support you, well, won't love, we'll say who support you and everything like that. You do realize those opinions also exist in the people that vote for you, right? So when you come off like that, it's like you guys are, like, bought. Like, and, 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 I guess... Yeah. yeah, you don't persuade people with um, ad hominems. You just don't. Like, ad hominems make people feel good when they already agree with you. Yes. But no one has ever been persuaded. Like, if I like purple and you like yellow, and I say, you know, yellow cheats on their taxes, like, no one cares. Like, you have to make an argument <laughs> for why yellow is bad. Like, exactly. a substantive argument. And that's the thing. What, what hurts me about all of these people is I'm not even, like, I don't know. Like, I'm so ignorant in this particular space that it, it, it almost scares me. It scares me because I'm basically forced to, when the only authority, the only people who are out there that seem to be able to have these conversations, and I'm not saying that, look, I, I, I love Aaron and Co, but, like, Obviously, people get hot on the internet and say all kinds of mean personal things to each other all the time. I'm not saying that everyone who agrees with me on this is immune from that kind of a criticism, but it's accompanying a more substantive critique in a way that I I don't know. Like, and this is obviously my bias speaking. I don't hear that substantive critique. I don't hear an actual argument coming out of Joe other than 
It was poorly timed for reasons. Mm-hmm. It, it's going to hurt Joe Biden. We've got to build democracy. I mean, that's literally a cult we're talking about. We've got to do democracy building around the world. That's literally America's go-to number one imperialist talking point. And it hurts because I didn't call up Henry Kissinger to be on the show. Mm -hmm. I called up Joe because he's someone who has a relationship with all of these left institutions, who was a Bernie supporter and all of these other kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And it is confusing to me. I'm genuinely confused. I'm not upset. I'm genuinely confused about how you can get that kind of rhetoric coming out of Joe. And moreover, the Matt Dust flip-flop. Yeah. Matt Dust said, this is a great letter. Got to 20, you know, 24 hours later, he's suddenly <laughs> acting like, oh, this was a huge mistake. Big, huge. Like he's Julia Roberts on Rodeo Drive. Which is it, my friend? It's literally. like, And it's like, I think when it comes to like, what it really is, what it really is about is just and I hate to say this, and I, I, like, I'm realizing I'm like kind of having trepidations with this stuff because a part of me wants to believe, and I think this is why your uh, radar last week hit, not just with left people, but I actually think you saw it from the right. Like when, when the right really gets away from you know identity politics and trans issues and stuff like that, mm-hmm. they look that when they look at like they have more people that they're energized about, but when they really look at politics and particularly American politics, they realize they're fucked. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what it, it it's coming down to. It's just like. It, we're fucked and yeah yeah i i I, uh, god that's sad and depressing yeah yeah i mean there is an optimistic streak in there which is that you know look i think that there are many bad faith actors on the among conservatives who are beating this anti-war drum because they know there's an appetite for it but most republicans overwhelming majorities of republicans still supported uh, voted for all the Ukraine aid, aid packages. Mm-hmm. They're taking all of the defense contractor money. They're not, you know, I, while there I are, like, I, it is completely legitimate for people to think the, the right is better than the left, at least rhetorically on these issues in this narrow area mm-hmm. right this second, and, and choose to, like, move right over that. Like, I understand why that's happening, even at the same time that I say it's all in bad faith. So, like, the answer to that is the reason they are able to do that, the reason is because the Democratic Party has let them. And at a certain point, I just cannot continue to have sympathy for the Democratic Party when they've had every opportunity in the world to right the ship and they are choosing not to. And then they're turning around and calling us all stupid hacks and mm. Russian bots. Okay, Russian- if I'm paid by Putin, then I guess you don't want my vote. <laughs> right, 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 right. And then, like, why is it that Democrats always find themselves on the defensive end of every fucking conversation? Yeah. They never take the lead on a conversation. They never even put the conversation back on someone's back. Like they had some kind of excess when it came to Roe and everything like that, where they had actually had to have Republicans respond to like, you know, the terrible stories that will happen when you hear about these 13 year old, 14 year old rape victims and then trying to make their point to why they should force that person to have a child. Yeah. Under those kind of circumstances. But it's like even in like with what is coming down with like the anti-war stuff or it's like, yeah, you're giving them this out. And trust me, I don't believe Tulsi. I think Tulsi Gabbard's a turncoat. Like I see she, she's a she's an opportunist and she's a politician. She's a she, she, she wants she wants some kind of success and some kind of power. That being said, it's the only option. It's right. literally the only option for people who like I'll say like me who are just who are anti-war, anti-imperialism. And then, yeah, when you talk about the 
you know, we got to spread democracy. It's like, come on, dog. And I think what it is, is the gaslighting because I know he knows better. As he explained in the interview, he's been against all these wars and he understands American imperialism and and like the shitty wars that we've all been through. So to then try to say, well, this is our last beacon of hope of democracy in Ukraine. That's why the letter It's like, come on, bro. And it's like, you're not even honest that this is a corrupt country. Come on, bro. Just come on, man. Yeah, I mean, I do like I I, I hesitate because just like I don't like when people call folks grifters and Mm -hmm. stuff. I I am not ready, and I completely understand why everyone else is ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I completely get it, believe me. But I personally am not ready to say he he knows better and is intentionally lying or misleading. I mean, maybe you know, whatever. I, I think obviously the argument is where it is. It's his arguments that he kind of made. I'm not saying that he doesn't like. I'm not saying that he he's not a genuine person in this conversation, or he's just you know some political hack. But I do think like it's hard for me to understand the idea that you you use the idea of democracy for a war, knowing that's been one of the main things we've used in order to invade and in, in, you know and or enforce our interests into other countries and i yeah i mean what 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 i think what i was just gonna say is that what i think is going on when you hear people continually reference you know when people are surprised you know they seem he seemed genuinely surprised (laughs) by some of the things i was saying that are so commonly said in our spaces on the internet yeah, Brie, you don't care about uh, Ukrainian kids being kidnapped by the 500s and thousands. In the or, or even, you know, t- there, there was a time Probably like five that. months ago where bringing up the Maidan coup and stuff was like <laughs> spicy. Mm-hmm. But I felt like we've kind of gotten past that. Like, I felt like at least with people who at all consider themselves on the left, like it's not spicy to bring up, you know, like we all can understand how it's your fault for invading a country. You know, it's mm-hmm. Putin's, it doesn't absolve Putin of responsibility to acknowledge all of the ways that America did, you know, you know, I don't know if you want to call it regime change, but picked, you know, fomented a coup, participated in a coup and then picked the next leader of the country. Like you can both things can be true. And I feel like we're past the point on the left where we're like going round and round in circles about whether that happened like that happened. We could all, we've all heard the Victoria Newland tape play a thousand times. Yeah. We're, we're not in the nursery school era of February, March anymore. Okay. That being the case, it just, it was shocking to me that he seemed legitimately surprised by the idea that there would be some Western culpability that we need to talk about what instigated the conflict. If we want to have a clear eyed view about what negotiations could look like that Tulsi Gabbard can be right on this narrow issue or very least right enough that she seems to be to the left of the left, mm-hmm. you know, like those things really struck. It, it's it almost, it felt to me like he was experiencing them as novel arguments in a way that suggested to me that he is just very much in a silo. And I, I don't mean that in a patronizing way, but I am concerned. I'm concerned that anyone could be hearing this kind of stuff for the first time when they are on Twitter when they work professionally in these spaces, when they're friends, but like, I presume that Matt Dust knows what's happening on Twitter. He's youngish, you know, he's online. He was a four policy advisor for Brady. So like, you can disagree, but how do you not know? How are you shocked that this is what a substantial part of the left is thinking? And I, that's why I kept quoting that poll back at him. Like 57% of Americans think there needs to be a, a push toward nego- a negotiated peace in the region. This yeah. is some fringe talking point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And that's to say the majority of Americans are always right about these things. You should just follow polls blindly. But you have to contend with that reality if you really are so concerned about midterms. 
Yeah, and I also think I just wish that they would just be honest when it came to foreign policy. And I guess maybe that's why I felt like I was gaslit through the whole thing with the idea of the the moral argument he tried to make and then the whole we got to spread democracy or this is the last beacon of democracy in this kind of area thing. It's just like you could just be honest and just say what it is up front. Like I was I listened to uh, Breaking Points last week and I think uh, um, it was Ryan and uh, Emily and Mm -hmm. They kind of, when they really talked about the, you know, the issue with like Taiwan and uh, China, it's like our interest in Taiwan is literally, is, has a lot to do with the Chips Act and the idea mm-hmm. that most of our chips come from Taiwan. So yeah, we don't want China to have access on top of it, all the stuff we get from them and everything. See, to me, that's, it's, it's a stupid argument to, you know, have, you know, to engage in a, like a war with a, with a nuclear power, but it's an honest argument. And honestly, it makes a lot more sense if you are like a really rah-rah American kind of person. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, if you want this chips happen, if you want this thing to work, then yeah, we need, you, we can't let, you know, China go into Taiwan and, you know, and then possibly run that and take that over and then be, have another part you know another stranglehold on our economy and stuff like that so it's like okay that to me at least it's honest like we can start there with at least honesty there as opposed to the idea that we care about the taiwanese people and then china rule and the idea of mm-hmm. like, we don't we, we we deal with shitty uh we deal with shitty regimes all the fucking time so just stop just stop with the whole gaslighting yeah so, yeah, yeah. well thank you for calling in Chris I appreciate yeah. it and again I'm sorry I feel like I keep going off I apologize I don't mean to be taking up so much space but thank you one more. Yeah, I, oh, go one, ahead. I just want to just want to ask you one thing this is kind of like a joking thing though but uh, mm-hmm. when the times are over are you going to turn your comments off because you know they're coming for you right when the what's over midterm when midterms are over and let's just say hypothetically don't go Democrats way are you turning your comments off because you are about to be the new Susan Sarandon Oh, hardly. No one even knows <laughs> me anymore. My tweets don't go anywhere. I'm I'm shadow banned. I don't even exist on Twitter anymore. I pop on to to post my little current uh, my little uh, bad faith posts, and then I bounce because <laughs> there's oh, nothing okay. for me there anymore. Like I, I I used to be able to tweet good morning, and a thousand people would write good morning back to me. And now if I I, I could say breaking news. You know, I personally broke Julian Assange out of jail. Here's video put footage of our escape, and it would get a hundred likes. So, <laughs> I don't think anybody sees me as especially influential. And if they do, they're moronic because I'm 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 not. <laughs> but if they if they want to at me and um, you know, make me trend on Twitter or something because I'm the new Susan Sarandon, I welcome it because maybe it'll keep my follower count from being stuck at three hundred and fifty thousand people for the last year and a half hey elon's on so maybe things will change you know since he's in control yeah some people some people were saying that like ted cruz and some conservatives were saying that their follower count went up you know started growing you know once elon took over that has not been my experience so like every day i log on and i see oh 50 people just followed you 100 people just followed you and it doesn't change even one person in the follower That's account great. really i'm sorry i'm not a blue i don't have a blue check or anything like that but so like you literally see the like the followers come in it's like oh you got a hundred yeah. but the number does not change the number doesn't change and it hasn't changed for 18 months that is wow okay all right I'm yeah okay yeah yeah whatever yeah. you know <laughs> all right uh thanks chris i see that the people on the list says something bill is next but i think they mean bells because I don't see a bill. I see a William, but I think that they mean bells. And thank you again for posting the list every now and again so I don't have to keep scrolling to find it. Unmute yourself and let us know what's on your mind tonight, bells.
Bells? Hello, hello. Hey, how goes it? What's on your mind? Um, I was way further down the list. I don't want to be like unfair. Oh. Well, who the heck is this Bill person? I don't see Bill. I don't. I don't know if maybe they just didn't join the the second the second room. Okay, well you're up here now, Bells. What's in your mind? Um. Okay. Um. I want to talk about liberals because <laughs> let's, let's do it. <laughs> um, like I think a like layer of like understanding how liberals think that we miss when we're like talking about these people is that um, I think they're just like really obsessed with rules Mm. um, and like processes because I think uh, these people, they, they sort of like create their own little like reality worlds and they, they like have, they'll and in order to do that they like make up rules that in their own little bubble that they have to follow right so like at at some point during the interview with him he he was talking about like i i don't i don't remember exactly but it was sort of like an off offhand comment about like so, like oh this letter coming out right before the midterms and and to so many liberals, it's like big big rule is like you don't fuck up elections, <laughs> mm. um, like no matter what, e- even if you have to like go against your principles, because to them it's like this like temporary thing. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. It's this this because we we I, I've been trying to like wrap my head around how liberals think that way I can like better talk to them when I'm like tabling and stuff with socialist alternative. Um, And because I think we have a really good grasp on how conservatives think, like if we pitch Medicare for all to them, Mm -hmm. we can bring up small businesses and how it's such a big boom for them. Um, But I don't, I don't feel like we have that same understanding with liberals and I'm, I don't know. I'm sort of just workshopping this idea in my in my head that like I I really think they like like because we we attack all of Joe's arguments, but the conclusion I I see people coming to is like oh he's just being disingenuous, and I don't think that's necessarily true. I think he's just he's he's like operating under different like rules. I, am I making sense? <laughs> No, I think you're making perfect sense. I just want to make sure. I think that maybe we're still hearing uh, the last caller, which happens sometimes. It doesn't kick you out. So if you want to mute yourself, I know it looks like you're gone. I think we might hear, we're hearing you maybe like closed doors. <laughs> um, but Bell, Bells, I think you're completely right. It's this, it's this, the, and the guys over at um, the West Wing thing talk about this all the time. It's this um, respect for rules and authority and systems and, you know, um, precedent that is driving outcomes as opposed to ethics, morals, or a positive prescription of what the world should be like. And that's why they like Pete Buttigieg. That's why they like people like Pete Buttigieg. He's their administrative king. They like the idea that, that the world, the real problem with the world is that someone didn't read the fine print enough. 
And if there was someone who like dot, dotted all the T's and checked all the boxes and and just it was rigorous and stacked all the things in the filing cabinet the right way, that they could solve all the world's problems. Like the systems are fine, they're just being poorly implemented. And that's why they're so they're so crazy about like obviously one six wasn't good and, and Trump trying to like call up electors and get them not to certify election results, it was all very bad, like no doubt. But that the it it occupies a specific particular place in the democratic mind because it's like he's just he was flagrantly violating rules yeah rules yeah, <laughs> yeah like like it's it, it's always brought up that putin his invasion is illegal illegal exactly like, i don't give a fuck if it's illegal he's killing people right a hundred percent yeah a hundred percent yeah no it, it's uh it's crazy it it, it like because liberals are so, like on paper they're supposed to be this like well they're closer to our ideals than republicans are but like in practice it it never seems to play out that way and i i feel like if if the left ever got i think sort of as a result of their like obsession with rules i think the moment that the left like gains any serious power sort of like what's happening with Lula. Mm-hmm. Um, I think liberals would like flood to, to support us um, be, because they, I think they just need like a roadmap in front of them. And with, with someone like, but like, I think that's a big reason why Bernie got so much um, like got as far as he did. Cause because there were there were plenty of like Warrenny people that were like, okay, yeah, I, I can see, um, like, I, I I can see the merits here, right? And and they they like move toward closer to Bernie, but I don't know. Like I feel like there's a lot of it's the moment that the left like gains any serious power, I think there's going to be a lot of like switching teams <laughs> like really mm-hmm. it's gonna happen like really quickly whenever whenever we do fucking manage to <laughs> do anything real but but yeah i don't know because they'll, they'll see they'll see like the process right because in their in their like fake worlds in their minds they're like yeah no we're actually doing the good like they see themselves as the good guys right um but if if we uh like actually do something um it, it'll it'll like creep into their into their their worldview and be like oh yeah no no this is uh this is actually the the process we should be doing the whole time <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah i have a friend a, a friend um a guy i went to law of no, college with uh and i we weren't like close in college but I follow him on Twitter and he is like, he, he's a really nice guy. He's like so nice. I follow him mostly on Instagram cause I love his fashion advice. He works in fashion and he's got like cute apartment design and like, he's so nice. I like, I really mean nothing negatively against this person, but our politics could not be more different now that we're out in the world. And I'm realizing he was a political being and he is the most quintessentially liberal person I've ever met in my life. And it's, it's remarkable. I love to follow him because any critique that is ever made of the Democrats, you can find him right there in the comments. 
He doesn't have a lot of followers, like he doesn't get a lot of interaction, but he's there strongly defending the Democratic Party for an audience of almost no one. And it, it boggles my mind. I was trying to go to his page real quick to see if I could pull up an example because, um, I mean, like, I see him, like, explaining away why Abrams isn't doing better. I mean, like, look, some of it is, you know, it's a tough race. You know, I'm not saying that it isn't, but no, no, no matter what happens, he has an explanation for why Joe Biden just couldn't pass anything, why the Democrats are right to not get rid of the filibuster. And there's almost never any break from that. And it's, it's, it's reflective of what's happening in the mainstream. And he's like, he's that person. He's a person who went to Harvard and who has benefited from a system in a lot of different ways and who likes the architecture, architecture of his bourgeois life. And he's not a bad person in the least. But I want to crack open his brain and study it because it is so unbelievable to me. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what to do about it. Sometimes I thought, like, maybe I should just invite him on the podcast and talk to him because, <laughs> like, he's, like, such, he's, like, a platonic ideal of a liberal. Yes, I, I like, I run into people like that all the time when I'm, like, tabling and stuff. It's, like, it, like, it, it feels like, oh, you're, you're, like, you're, like, halfway there. <laughs> yeah. Like, you have, you have the good heart. You just not I I don't I don't know. It's 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 hard for me to wrap my brain around it. and I think that's because their their whole like worldview is just different. And like the rules that they operate on are just different. And I don't I don't know how to like get to that, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I truly write I truly that book on either. liberals. Yeah, <laughs> so I I that's what it. I was thinking about. Like this, this is like truly the question of our time. And I, I do think that psychologically it comes from feeling like as a liberal for so long, you know, I, I used to think I was a liberal. I, we, we all, I mean, that term was widely used in not a pejorative way, not that long ago. And right. like, what happened was that, you know, we, we really, we were all told that the, there was a certain limit to what could be done. And then Obama cracked the door open a little bit. It seemed like he was seeming to suggest that he could do more. And then he didn't. And then Bernie came along and really said he could do more. And we all started to believe. And then they shut that down. And it felt like sometimes I feel like if they really wanted to squash the left, what they should have done was let Bernie win and then turn him into Obama. Like let let him win. Don't don't keep him out of, of the oval, but then basically force him to bend the knee and and kill all of his policies and then i think that would have like that would have like humbled us more than just not letting him in office in the first place because as it is we still believe and are still fighting for the things that we believe um the government could do to help right um but it does i do think it's the the fact that we all we all saw ourselves as the most left person and the goodest person and the most virtuous person for so many years and when people came along like Bernie who exposed that that was a lie, it, it, some people were like, oh, no, no, no. If I had believed the Democratic Party line all of these years, I have to acknowledge I was wrong if I like Bernie and the left. I have to do some introspection and be like, wow, I had been hoodwinked. And there's a certain personality that cannot accept that transition, that cannot just say, oh, gosh, how wonderful that things can get better. I'm going to go join the left. Instead, they say, no, 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 there must be some reason why. I've, spent all, I've wasted all of these years believing in neoliberalism. So let me just create, like, construct this edifice of uh, defense making and, and gaslighting 
until I'm safe in my nest of believing that I was always a great person. Yeah. And it sucks. Yeah. It's so much easier just to be like, oh, God, I can't believe I got tricked. I'm so happy that my eyes are open. Like, there's no cost. There's not a bunch of – there's not a phalanx of leftists standing there with their arms crossed ready to shake their finger at you for not being woke <laughs> earlier. Yeah. You know, when, 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 when um, Peter Dow flips to the left, we were all thrilled. No one even, like – no one was even that mad about it, even though he was one of the worst liberals Twitter had ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I, a, a lot of this, uh, these like ideas sort of, they, they always take me back to like how I got politically active and like I started um, just paying attention. Like I knew absolutely nothing before 2016. Um, mm-hmm. And then I didn't even know who Bernie was in 2016. I was just like sort of vaguely aware that it was Hillary versus Trump. Um, and I was like, okay, well, Trump's obviously that dude's fucking wild. Um, and like, okay, I hear people saying that Hillary sucks too, but like better, like Trump is like a wild card. So better go with like the enemy, you know, than the enemy you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sort of like, and then he then he wins and that that sort of like blew my mind a little bit like whoa this like tv reality guy is like that's possible <laughs> um yeah. so like i started to pay more attention and i i mean yeah I, I was totally like that sort of liberally like yeah let's okay well we we just gotta vote we you know like um and i i don't know like I I definitely had some like moments where some some kind of person that was further left than me would like check me on something and I would feel really stupid um because I didn't have like a good response. I would argue with them, but like I was a dumbass. I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> um so like always in the back of my mind I was like fuck he's he's totally owning me right now. <laughs> um but like, I don't know, man. I don't know how to, it, it was just like a slow sort of evolution further and further left for me. And I, I like, obviously that's not the same for everybody else, but, but I don't know. I, I'm yeah. just, I'm baffled. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I appreciate you trying to think it through bells. Um, yeah. I th- appreciate yeah. you trying to think it through and shout out to social alternative which I am not going to be so Hell negligent yeah. about uh, in the new year. Go to your meeting. Resolutions. I'm gonna, <laughs> well, I got I to gotta change the call-in schedule if I do that. But you guys seem to be – I'm down. You guys liked when I did it on Friday because um, I was traveling. I thought it was going to be an empty room, but there were a lot of you with me at, uh, Friday in the middle of the afternoon. So maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll look into that so I can go to Thursday meetings. But thanks for calling in, Bells. Yeah, absolutely. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. All right, I think Fractal was next, but someone go ahead and post the list in case I got this wrong. Keep keep posting in the chat. I was just scrolling, but I couldn't find it. What's on your mind, Fractal? Hey, I think there was somebody before me, actually. I don't know what to tell you. You're up here now. What's on your mind? I'm up here now. Oh, Shelly. Okay, I'll go to you next, Shelly. All right, so first and foremost, how are you doing this evening, Miss Georgery? I'm doing all right. What's on your mind this evening? You sound lively and in rare form. Uh, I was chuckling the whole time. I will say in that interview, 
you had a lot of patience. You did better than me. I was listening to it and I was screaming at the screen. Oh, I, I genuinely was. I was screaming at the screen. I was. Um, well, look, I, I, I do. I, this is no one's gonna like that I'm about to say this, but I, I do like. I really. You remember when Joe was on last time? I liked Joe. He he was on here last time, warning us about the risk of nuclear proliferation and I'm, why we have to yeah, be very careful that, with this war. Right. You know, so I don't know. I I I genuinely feel like I genuinely felt like treating all his arguments in good faith, whether or not that's ignorant, wrong, and bad. And so that's where no. my patience came from because, you know, I, I have only had these positive experiences with him when he was very solidly on the right side of things, you know? Look, look, what, what, did, what did I tell you last time when I brought up what, 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 what was at uh, Reverend Barber's church? Grace between the rock and a hard place. And that's where you were. You spoke mm-hmm. to the rock. You didn't hit the rock. You kept mm-hmm. the main thing, the main thing. And that's what you should have done. He was trying to get you out of character, but you didn't. And that's why you have the credibility. Period. So I wanted to say that I commend you on that. Uh, I, this whole thing, just watching it, the reason it made me angry, if you listen to the talking points, mm-hmm. oh, this is dumb diplomacy. Oh, mm-hmm. this is like progressive version, anti-war version of anti-colonialism. This wasn't the right time. This mm-hmm. was literally all the excuses of forced the vote all over again mm. this is the worst like literally go back and listen and listen to sam cedar shank uger um anna kasparian all of them all of them it's the same that the dumb dumb left this is not how you have a strategy i will say it worked it worked because he admitted it he said well now all these european countries they're questioning our commitment to this because it's not just the Republicans. Now mm-hmm. this letter has done damage. Nah, this worked. This worked. And finally, some people in America are standing up because we see it in Europe. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. was forced to vote all over again to me. What do you think? No, I, I definitely see the parallels. And it yeah. forced to vote also had this thing where people told them themselves a little bit in the same way as this letter. <laughs> like, so the letter went out, you know, obviously at some level. Someone thought this was a good idea, and then they retracted it in the same way that there was that tweet thread by AOC about why it was a good idea to force the vote on impeachment, even though they knew that that wasn't going to happen. And it's like, so it's like you get it, you understand the rationale in in some way that you are hearing this, and yet you are still not willing to actually stand your ground when things get tough or where where it really matters. And, and that's and that's that's the thing. That's what has made me feel comfortable saying these people are making choices to sorry sell out, as opposed to oh they're just ignorant. Oh they they, they didn't they didn't hear about it in time. Remember that one? Oh, they, uh-huh. you know, it was, it's just that they didn't have enough time to prepare to withhold their votes for Speaker Pelosi. It wasn't enough time. They are you are, kidding me? They are me? part of democracy of America. They're part of the social democratic of America. Come on. That was the, what did Jimmy pull up? That's their own policy. It's their own. It was the DSA it's policy. I, 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 I spent my money. Thanksgiving. No one was paying me a congressional salary for me to spend my Thanksgiving making calls to Congress members to make sure they had all the facts they needed to know about force the vote. That's what I was doing. I was on a call tree, mm-hmm. call tree about forced mm-hmm. to vote over my Thanksgiving break. Thanksgiving, I'll remind everybody, is in November. That's right. We we were talking about forced to vote over the whole holiday season. So you're telling me that the whole you know month of December or whatever it was wasn't enough time for them to decide 
to just not vote for Nancy Pelosi? I mean, I mean, first off, the the fact that no one brought up someone to challenge Nancy Pelosi within the party before yes. for, for speaker in the first place. Yes. And then she becomes it's like, hey, I saw this thing and I seen this in history when it came to women getting the right to vote. Yeah. Huh. Because we were all disappointed. So, yeah, no, all I'll say is it smelled like there were a lot of gaslights in that guy's room. That's what I'll say. It smelled like it smelled like gas lights in that room lighting him on that camera. You get my drift? <laughs> yeah, and I don't like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. I do, I do so, not know what's going on there. So, I'm going to just run through a few points okay. and get to the next caller. Number 1. You made a point that either we're going to police the world inequitably or we're not going to do it at all. Correction. They're going to police the world like they police black people. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Number two, Republicans with Trump tore up these nuclear agreements. The mm-hmm. mascotism I brought up last time, that's what this is. And if we don't want to say, hey, I don't want to say that you're selling out or this, that. Okay. You know how we say in the hood, like, I ain't saying she, she, or he is a hoe. They just got <laughs> hoe tendencies. That's what we need to say about. Y'all not saying you're racist. You just got racist tendencies. <laughs> come on. Come on. We, we can do this. I already brought up force to vote. Ilha Omar with this whole thing of, you can't tell me I'm a refugee and you can't tell me what it's. That was one of the most disgusting things I've seen, along with no student debt, student debt with <laughs> with uh, with. Um, oh, my gosh. What is her name? With uh, uh, Ayanna Presley and Senator Warren shutting like they shut it down. Anti-war shutting it down. And they were coming with the facts. That was just disgusting. Yeah. Five. Wait till the election. Hold on. You mean that if you think Putin's this madman, that he won't actually shoot him? He's going to wait till after the election's done? Now's not the time? Once again, another thing, like, force the vote. Now's not the time. Oh, but Putin yeah. won't shoot a nuke before we have our election. Well, that yeah, I, mean, like I, literally, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that the, the, that kind of a threat is quite that proximate at this point, given... I mean, Biden's been saying it for weeks. Like, this is serious. And we have ads in New York saying, you got this. Like, come on. Like, if there's somebody you should have on, like, outside of, like, the Jimmy Dore and Aaron Mate and Max Blumenthal Sphere and possibly, who else, um, Kim Iverson and um, Medhurst, you should have on Scott Ritter. The guy was part of, I found out this week, he, when Aaron Mate took over Jimmy Dore, he was one of the people that helped write the the nuclear agreements that Trump tore up that got us in this mess. Mm. That's that's, that's a huge deal. He even said the anti-ballistic missile deal, something that we don't follow that also prevented this. And it was actually worse in the eighties than now because Obama had to even come out and say, yeah, this is the reason why I didn't do this. When uh, Crimea was taken over, we need to, when you got the neoliberals like them and Pi save America come out and say, "Mm, we need to do this. Mm-hmm. You done, you, you done goofed. <laughs> so Wait, what did Obama say about Crimea? I missed that. Well, he basically said no that he didn't. You know, he didn't. He didn't do this war eight years ago when Crimea was taken over after the Maidan coup, and he was saying that Putin has consolidated more power in Russia than we've ever seen. Uh, Scott Ritter said, and with all due respect to Obama, and I appreciate him speaking out. He doesn't know what he's talking about because in the eighties we were literally at almost at war with the Soviet Union, and not just nuclear war. 
chemical warfare. And they had hundreds of thousands of troops trained on both sides for that war. And lots of troops from both sides made a lot of sacrifices to get these nuclear deals done in mm. the 80s. That guy, that guy is the man. And nobody wants to go to toe to toe with him. He was the one that said, yeah, there are no weapons of mass destruction to um, what's her name? The lady that passed um, the first woman that was secretary of state. He counteracted her when he first was pushing oh, her saying, you're not hard enough on her. Yeah. And he said, actually, you know what? Not the same. Right. He blew the whistle. That's the man right there. Former Marine. Have him on. Um, okay, I'm writing it in the, and, I'm writing it in the queue. In my yes, life. write that in the queue. I think that even though he, the, the, your your guest said he's not paid by anybody, mm-hmm. what he didn't say is that he hasn't paid into the system. Because we got to remember, there's a lot of investment going into Ukraine. There's a lot of invest. You don't have to be paid by somebody and to not have stakes in it. If you paid into the system and you feel like you've paid your dues, something that liberals kind of have a thing in, you know, in bad faith at times. Mm-hmm. You, you you have you have a vested interest in this so yeah that's, that's just I, I think that's i don't i don't know why people bring that kind of thing up there are all kinds of incentives that exist in the world for people to take all kinds of different takes i know that i have basically halved my potential audience by saying a lot of things that i've said inclusive of and since force the vote and to sit around mm-hmm. pretending like it's like literal money in your pocket that can or cannot persuade someone from taking a certain point of view is like, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So pretending like you are above influence and then focusing on the idea that somebody else is being influenced in a way that you can't prove. It's all pointless. I just, I hate that line of argumentation. I, I, I think a lot of people that I agree with use it. And a lot of people I disagree with use it. I'm so tired of hearing, you know, the back and forth between the Jimmy and the TYT and the Katzenberg yeah, yeah. and the blah, blah, the Putin, like all, like I, I'm not interested in it. And I said this to Chank too. He accused me. I was like, I have never once accused you of Katzenberg money or any of that stuff. It's none of my business. I can't prove it. And there's a lot of things that I can prove that I just disagree with you on. And so let's talk about that. Exactly. And you know what? That rolls into my next point of, you know what? As leftists, I think we need to have evidence over facts. Yeah. Because it's well, I mean, what do you mean evidence over facts? It's a fact that I just, that I... I have a million dollars and it's a fact that I said I have a million dollars, but do you have the evidence to know that I have a million dollars? I said it. It's true that I said it, but do I have the evidence to show I have a million dollars? It's kind of like what goes into due process. It's kind of like what's going into us saying, Hey, there's a Nazi problem in Ukraine. And as much as you may not like hearing it, the mainstream media covered it. There's a bill by, by John Conyers, which by the way, when people make harsh statements like, Oh, you're backing Nazis, you're okay with this war. When you should have at least on the surface made it look like, hey, you know what, Ron Paul, we did have this thing in Afghanistan. Let's just have this amendment where we know where the money's going and we can enforce that John Conyers rule that was broken since 2018 under Trump. But what did they do? They chose not to do it. And we all know there's a problem. The UN has recorded it. That's what I mean by evidence over facts because this whole thing of like you can have your opinion but not your own facts well they showed obama something and we people been in this country been having their facts for own facts for a long time since the daughters of the confederacy rewrote the school books and put them statues up during reconstruction just yeah i mean i guess i guess i would i wouldn't call it a fact if it's not substantiatable but i i get what you're saying to not have these conclusory statements and to be asking people for for evidence i just felt like the guy is just 
has has a maybe has a bias towards U.S. hegemony. Maybe he really does believe he really believes that you know the U.S. does good in the world, and even though we do bad, and sometimes what it is with liberals is, I think you're right. Like they don't want to admit they're wrong, and I think everybody, whether you're right, moderate, center, all of us have to deal with our own self righteousness that we have, and it's this really prevalent on the left. I think the difference is, and you gave me the, this idea with FD signifier. Um, my wife and I love that conversation you had with him. Mm, remember when you said great. like, yeah, remember when you, when you said that, you know, the right has, you know, God, gays and guns and all that, like they're, they're succinct. What does the left have? And you made me think about it. And if I were to take, if, if there were to be notes to take, I think the left is against, against wholeheartedly, whether it's economic, cultural, foreign policy, against domination, exploitation, as Richard Wolf called out, whether it's the corporation or the government, you've missed the point of Marx if you don't get rid of the exploitation and oppression of all kinds. So that goes into any cultural issue, LGBTQIA, black, white, whatever it is, we're against all those things, especially the worker. What we are for is a democratic way of life. And what does that really mean? Democratized power, self-determination, self-governance through systems, civil liberties, evidence, and worker a worker oriented economy, a demand economy, like just on a policy level, that is what we are for. And we can succinct that and display that. It's not just about having a left party. It's really about creating a left environment because you can't be a conservative, a moderate or a progressive if you live in a fascist environment, which is what we live in with a combination of government and corporation. Until you create an environment where that is that is so hostile to that, you can't have small government. You can't even have what Robbie loves, which is a free market. You have what Irony says. You have unboundness. There's no rules. This is not a free market at all. And until we accept that cruelty done on your behalf is not necessary, that's why people get tripped up the way they do. That's why liberals get tripped up. They try to do good, but they know that there's cruelty being done on their behalf. And some people are comfortable with that or so they're uncomfortable, but even more uncomfortable are having to face it. Yeah. That's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think so, mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So now I wanted to leave you with that. And please, with this happening with the Congress people, as I sent, I've sent you a follow up. I know you're very busy. We need to have Dr. West on someone core who knows all these people on the on the left of the Democratic Party. We need to talk about Dr. King's legacy with nuclear war, what those people would do in this time, where we go from there. He's the man to have this conversation. This, this needs to be had. This needs mm-hmm. to be talked about. Mm-hmm. And, and to have a person like Raphael Warnock, who's a preacher, vote for this, lie about the $2,000 checks, lie that this ended poverty. And let's not forget, it was minimum wage plus the checks of the child tax credit that would have half poverty, not mm-hmm. just the child tax credit. We forget that mm-hmm. it was in conjunction with a minimum wage. Mm-hmm. So we got to stop you know, pushing Biden's lies, too. But that's that's what needs to happen. We need to have this conversation. But that's what it means to me to be a leftist. And until you make those until you stand on those principles, we're seeing the difference of who's who right now. So as disappointing and hurtful as this is, it's another revealing moment. Yeah. We're auditors as leftists. We are yeah. the auditors and nobody likes an auditor. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank, thanks for uh, auditing this conversation, Fatal, and calling in tonight. Keep the faith. I appreciate you. You keep the faith, too.
All right. Take care. Yep. Shelly, the list says that you are up next. What's on your mind tonight? And I got, I uh, want to warn you guys. I know it's not, it looks like we've only been here for an hour 12, but we're coming up on two hours and, and mama's a little exhausted from travel. So if we could keep them a little shorter so we can get through more people, that would be great. Okay. Go ahead, Shelly. Yeah, and I didn't doctor the list at all. I'm kidding. I really didn't. I just started right <laughs> um, well, congratulations on your smash hit of a radar for the Democratic <laughs> Party. It's dead. Thank you. Um, it, it's one of those things that, like, I just keep checking every now and then, and then I just keep seeing the comments, like, pile up, and I just keep reading through them, and, every, and like, every single one of them is just like, fuck, yes, I'm here for it, Bree. <laughs> it's, look, it's nice when it occasionally turns out that way, is all I'll say. Yeah. Well, it, it was very passionate. You, you delivered it very well. Very good arguments. And Thank you. you. I really do appreciate it. Whenever he was trying to distract and then you were like, I'm not doing this with you. <laughs> People can't pay their bills. Like, bring it back to reality. Um, so, and then once again, this interview, another great expose of people that just really aren't based on reality. Um, now I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's a lovely man. I, I don't think that he has any ill intentions or anything like that. I really don't. Uh, Joe Ciceroni, is that his name? Um, so, oh, now that you said that, I can't get the the right pronunciation in my head. No. Cerencioni. 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 Well, yeah. I'm just going to try to go through some of these things pretty quickly. So he's saying it's bad timing to release the letter because Ukraine is winning. All right. Great. Try the negotiation once Putin's mobilization and we're now, instead of having 150,000 forces and they already took 20% of Ukraine, now fight against Ukraine who is desperate for aid with 400,000 Russian troops. This would be the best time. Him bitching about the timing, he's got it all fucking wrong because he can't read the situation on the ground. Then I would have to say, um, he has this whole entire thing where he goes, the great progressive leader, Jayapal. Mm-hmm. All right. That sounds exactly like how every single headline is written about North Korea. North Korea. Mm-hmm. Our dear leader. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Then, mm-hmm. at one point, he says, well, uh, like, and here's something that he kept doing. Every single time he brought up an argument, he'd go, ah, uh, ah. Uh, and he'd sit back for a second. He'd go, okay, well, well let me try this. Mm-hmm. It just smacks of desperation. Like in the fact that he really can't argue with you is like, okay, well, 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 let me try this talking point now to maintain us dominated hegemony. Let me, let me try this one. Will this convince you to allow the world to keep bullying and brutalizing every single population on earth? Yeah. Does, does this work as an excuse? Then at some point, and I can't remember exactly what point he said, um, Oh, it was, he was saying, it was days before the election that they decided to release the letter going against the president of the dem- of, of our own party. And that, and that goes against our, the core of our national security strategy. Oh, I thought he was talking this entire time about Ukrainian self-determination, democracy, how scrappy their force was and exactly what it was that they needed to happen over there and how we should support it. But then he lets it slip actually The problem with this is the fact that he, that the letter was released days before an election where our core national security strategy is at threat, if that's debated. Why is our national security um, strategy at threat in Ukraine? 
why is that part of our national strategy? Like you pointed out multiple times, mm -hmm. they're not allies. Mm -hmm. They're not part of NATO. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. And then it really fucking doesn't. And then also, I just want to, if everyone wants to, I, I wrote it down because it was amazing. Whenever he said, Zelensky is the greatest leader I've ever seen. And your reaction, your face in the video <laughs> is priceless. It was yeah, I need to work on controlling my facial expressions a little bit, I think. That was great. That was, like, it was so hard for me to listen to what he was saying just because I was watching you just being like, mm -hmm. like, just, just you were over You it. can hide it on a podcast, but you can, everybody can tell <laughs> what you're thinking on a video. Yeah. But um, I think the thing that was really driving me crazy about all of this stuff is there are a lot of these people that are kind of, I would say semi-left, but, but very much devoted to the liberal ideology where they keep doing this thing where they keep using terms that are, that have been in use on the left for like a hundred years, but they don't know the meaning of it. And they, they're just confusing people. It's like the saying the colonial reflex, that was a really weird one, mm -hmm. which I don't necessarily understand. I don't think he explained it. And then the fascism thing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's that people think, so the left has been saying, or the, I don't know what you want to call our section of the left. Uh, for the sake of the argument, let's call it the gray, the gray zone left has been saying that, um, you know, it's, we're doing imperialism. We're funding a war. We're doing regime change war with Russia. We have these people from the state department, et cetera, who have said that they want to weaken Russia, that that's the goal. And that's not all at all about Ukraine. And the counter argument has been us wanting to us letting Putin do what he wants to do is enabling his imperialism. And he's the one with the imperialist project. And they bring up this speech that he allegedly did, but very few people actually quote from where he makes this like historical argument about why Russia should be in control of the entire region. And that his goal is to put together the put the, back together the Soviet Union. Uh, and therefore, we have to oppose that because that's imperialism. And I think that that's what he means by saying it's a colonial. Pro I, I think, you know, I think that that's what he oh, meant by okay. saying it's a, co a colonial project. Well, just project. in case, um, just just for you to kind of store it away, sort of in the back of your mind. I don't know if it'll be helpful for you, but in um, 1918, uh, because Ukraine decided to be one of the socialist republics of the USSR, in 1918, Lenin said, "Okay, their economy is kind of struggling." Let's seed six of Russia's industrial regions to Ukraine because they had separate economies because it's an mm -hmm. autonomous region. So he said, let's seed six of Russia's most industrialized areas to Ukraine. And that's literally the Donetsk and the Lugansk regions. Mm. That's the reason why Putin sits there and he says Ukraine, Ukraine in its current form is the construction of the Soviet Union. And he's mm. not a communist. And mm -hmm. so he doesn't like it, but that's what he's saying. It, the The regions were gifted to Ukraine and he wants the regions back. It's not about further expansion. He doesn't care. Promise. Yeah. Like he just, he just wants the ethnic Russian areas back because they've been in the civil war that Mr. Cicerone was just like, Oh, do you really believe that? Just aghast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know this all this stuff about borders like I confess I'm not 
uh, knowledgeable enough in the history of all of the borders of the world to really push back against it. But my gut tells me that, you know, the argument that what Russia is doing is different because we have to maintain and preserve people's borders is bullshit because half the borders that exist in the world are not only just colonial inventions, but recent colonial inventions that have absolutely nothing to do with anything at all. And that's why most of the world's conflicts are ongoing. So to randomly say like, okay, I'm going to say pause. We're going to stop the clock. And these are the borders now that everyone has to super duper respect because I said so. I mean, it's like, obviously there isn't such thing as invading countries and taking territory. And I understand why, you know, in the interest of global stability, America would not want that to happen, but it just seems really rich. It just seems rich. I mean, the obvious example is Israel-Palestine, but I'm thinking of the fact that, like, if you look at, like, the border between Kenya and Tanzania, it's like this little notch. Like, there's this little notch where uh, Mount Kilimanjaro is carved out and is on the Tanzania side. And if the line were straight across, it would be on the Kenya side. And that was, like, a last-minute, like, bargaining thing that happened between colonial powers. You know? And it's like... Are you serious right now? <laughs> like they just decided, oh, you can have this mountain, and and we're supposed to be respecting this shit. And you look at what's happening in Ethiopia and Tigray, and all, and it's like, I mean, like, look, I understand the value of a certain degree of settled expectations and people having lives and not wanting to uproot them and being in the middle of these border wars. Like, I'm not a monster. But just right. that on its face, just like saying, throwing out there like borders are these sacred things that we should all respect. It's it's a bunch of malarkey, especially when, when we're in the middle of like a climate crisis. We're about to have like millions of climate refugees all over the country. And you're going to you're expecting me to come come around to the idea that like 50 percent of the world's fresh water is in Canada. I, I promise you when the day comes that there's like hordes of people dying of thirst trying to get into the Great Lakes. I'm not going to be sitting here saying, well, you're going to respect the border while bodies pile up on the other side. Right. I mean, but that's exactly it. Like, of course, I would rather these things be settled in another way besides war, like border disputes. That, that I mean, yeah. number one, Africa was totally carved up arbitrarily just by yeah. resources and all the colonial powers doing that. And so and they they simply divided it based on ethnic and tribal tension. Yeah. Just, just because they wanted that to continue happen, so they so there could could continue to be disputes and turmoil. That yeah. it, it's divide and conquer, one hundred percent. And I want to be clear: so, I'm not yeah. saying that obviously Russia should have invaded Ukraine. That's not what I'm saying no. at all. I'm just saying that his rationalization for why that's a unique harm that America needs to be involved in fall short given all of the other border controversies that have that exist at present and which have existed historically. And then especially because he says he specific and, and you kind of called him on it. You were like, oh, you mean in Europe, whenever he said, we don't redraw the borders in Europe. Right. We don't do that. Oh, I'm right. sorry. Can you please explain Yugoslavia to me? Mm. Yeah. Yugoslavia was the first country in Europe that had its borders redrawn through an illegal war based on the United States recognizing a separatist region of Yugoslavia. Hmm. Kind of like the Donetsk and Lugansk areas. Mm -hmm. And then they claimed that they were independent. And then they used that as a pretext to bomb and destroy Yugoslavia. 
there's a great documentary called The Weight of Chains, if anyone's interested in it, about Yugoslavia and what what's fallen on the country since the bombing and oh. destruction. But anyway, he's sitting there and he's saying, when has that ever happened? This hasn't happened since World War II. You forget what Bill Clinton did to Yugoslavia. Mm-hmm. And it's really kind of curious because Putin's like legal pretext and every single step that he's followed, he followed the United States, the United States' pretext for bombing and destroying Yugoslavia. I'm going to listen. There's I'm writing down the name set. of that doc. The weight of chains. Got it. Um, yeah. And it's, it's such an important example. God, it's like, you know, you don't even have to like know that someone's saying something hypocritical. You just, just the nature of America. You just know it's the case. By the way, even, even without that example, the fact of even caveating, we don't do that in Europe. That is so distasteful to my ear. We don't do that. We don't carve up borders, dot, 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 in Europe. So I guess it's okay elsewhere. And, uh, and again, I'm not trying to put words in his mouth. And I don't know that, like, if I if I were to say that to him, he would say, no, 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 of course it's not right anywhere. But the fact that people are subconsciously letting this kind of stuff slip, it's telling. It's very reminiscent of the, oh, my God, can you believe all these blonde or blue-eyed refugees? This is unconscionable. Right. And then also he mentioned... Saddam Hussein and the Kuwait situation. So I can't remember all of the exact details, but Kuwait was definitely doing some shady shit with Iraq's like trying to steal their oil reserves, like all this other type of stuff. Saddam was trying to get clearance from the United States. Like, are you going to fuck with me if I intervene? And the information that he got was kind of like, well, no, no, whatever. And so he did it. And then we called it out. We started the Gulf War. And part of the pretext for that was the Naira testimony. It was this like 15, 16 year old girl who ultimately ended up being the ambassador of Kuwait to the United States. And she got on the media in C-SPAN, all kinds of just media hype, just everyone freaking out. And she sat there and she said, the Iraqi soldiers are throwing babies out of incubators. I saw a hundred babies on the floor in my one hospital. And meanwhile, Iraq only had something like 20 like pediatric ICU units. Mm. It was mm. a lie. She was she was trained and coached by a PR firm to give that testimony and lie us into the Gulf War. Mm. This is how war happens. The United mm-hmm. States always lies to Americans to get us into war. They've done it with the Gulf of Tonkin. They did it with Iraq. They've done, they always lie. And it, it is just shocking to me that why do we have to keep relearning these lessons until we're $80 billion into this Ukrainian thing where people are actually starting to be like, can we have some peace? Yeah. Please. It's so scary, honestly, because if I, I worry, like, what would happen if we didn't have a few of these independent media outlets? Like, what would happen if I, I think about this sometimes, because I'm friends with Katie Halper, I think I was more open to the gray zone that I might have not might otherwise have been right. Given the overwhelming force of the internet, people saying these people are crazy and Assadists and all of that. But because Katie does a podcast with Aaron and I have my own relationship with Aaron, like I, I I'm sometimes I think, Oh my God, how terrifying might it have been if I had done what so many people are doing and siloing themselves because there is such a huge volume of people, including people with credible backgrounds, who from credible left institutions who are from the Bernie orbit in the Bernie world who are completely 
of one mind with MSNBC and shutting down the entire narrative that just you just laid out. Yeah. And I'm just I'm grateful and- for you and I'm so grateful for all the people in these marginalized media spaces who take so much flack but have done such a good job of warning us when no one else would. I mean, it's it's the only thing that we can do. I, I mean, we're dealing with the most propagandized population on the United States. People can claim it's North Korea. People can claim it's what other country. It's our country. Mm. We we are lied to constantly. And and because of that, we have this insulated view of the entire world that makes us otherize other people. It makes us just blind to just fucking humanity. And it yeah. causes us to just have these narrow mindsets. We go, oh, well, these, you know, this, these people over here, they're all terrorists. These people over here, they're all Putin's a fascist. Like, I mean, it, it, it's just the most crazy narratives that you can possibly think of. And then, um, and I'll get off here real fast, but I just wanted to give for your audience and you, if you're interested in it, um, two resources. There's uh, a guy named Brian Berletic that runs a YouTube channel called The New Atlas. He has the best um, military on the ground analysis of the Ukraine-Russia situation. He's based in Thailand. He's recently picked up the Russia-Ukraine thing and done very well with it, but his main coverage is Asia. You can you can look at him exposing the United States, the State Department, the Pentagon. He exposes what they do in Myanmar, Thailand, China, every place over there. He, he breaks it down using Western journalism. He doesn't mm-hmm. use. What, what's his name again? Brian Berletic, his channel is the new Atlas. And then the other one that I would suggest if people want to know what's been going on in the Donbass region is a journalist named Patrick Lancaster also has a YouTube channel. He's been in the Donbass for eight years. He has been there documenting the crimes that the Ukrainians have perpetrated on the Donbass region for eight years. He goes around, you can see everything that you want to see starting years ago about what the conditions that those people have been living under. And so whenever people sit there and say, have you talked to Ukrainians? Well, I have personally just because of my political party, but I know that maybe other people haven't. Maybe you don't have to talk to them yourself, but if you go back there and you look through eight years of the terror that they've been living under, that's your talking to Ukrainians. Yeah. Yeah. You can understand what they're living with. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that, Shelly. I've taken notes and I'm sure um, I will hope some of you have as well. Uh, and I, I've been looking for someone good to talk to. The Hill had this person do on the ground reporting from Ukraine who I'm sure she's a very nice lady, but whose politics were not ours and was basically just giving a report on how amazing some military parade was that they were having on the day that she called. So it would be really Lancaster, nice to get. Lancaster is going to be difficult yeah. to get a hold of. Um, Brian Berletic is probably, he's talked to Patrick Lancaster. He has contacts, so he has some of the information that he has. But Patrick Lancaster is difficult to get a hold of. And also because he's, he, he really doesn't like to do a whole lot of interviews because he's kind of terrified of giving away his position because mm-hmm. he's on a Ukrainian hit list. Okay. So well, for, what, what, for whatever, it's it's nice to be clued in, and I appreciate you calling in, Shelly. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. What's on your mind tonight, Jonathan? I actually called in to find you know, to talk about something a little different, but I have to say 
this episode was amazing. It had everything. I laughed. I cried. I banged on. T- <laughs> and, you know, said right on. And I actually laughed out loud in the middle of Kroger at the part where you were like, and now let's listen to this clip from Tulsi. And he's like, oh, no, not Tulsi. And then you're like, oh, yes, clip plays. <laughs> I lost it. Like, this this was incredible. Like, I love this episode. But uh, Thank did you. you get the I, DM this is I sent my favorite. you? I'm sorry? Oh, go ahead. You were you, you were going to say? I was just saying that this is my favorite kind of episode, too. Although I see plenty of comments in the Patreon like, I disagree with this person, so I don't want to listen to this episode. It's a little frustrating from my perspective because it's like, obviously, we disagree. I'm doing this so that you have evidence of how to do the counter arguments and to share with people in your lives that think very much like this person. But sure, fine. Don't listen to it. It's a free country. Yeah, I, me, I lost track of how many people I told, but you have to yeah. listen. Like, you're you're not going to regret it if you do. Like, you're going to love this. Yeah, I I, 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 lo- I love this kind of episode that really gets the arguments on the table. I I just, I live for it. And, and I, I couldn't do it without people like Joe being willing to engage. And I, I want to give him credit for that because so many people aren't. I just wish he would also go ahead and be willing to talk to Aaron, for example. Yeah, I put I put my theory on some of that in the in the Patreon comments. Uh, but yeah, like this is like I look forward to uh, seeing negotiations open for peace talks between Joe and the Gray Zone boys. And uh, you know, I think you're the diplomat to do it. But I, I did like I originally called in to, to have you read Anand Jiradhiradas's uh, new book. I have it, and I've started it. He's going to come on the show, I think, later this month, or I guess next month. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'll get to there it. There is a chapter. Yeah. There is a chapter uh, that is going to make your blood boil. I didn't want to ruin your trip to Chicago. I mentioned it when I DM'd you those uh, those charts, mm-hmm. but uh, I was like, I don't I don't want to rain on you. Like, you look like you're having fun over there, Richard Simmons. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'll wait till, I'll wait till the call-in. But uh, there is a chapter in there called Inside Outside Game. It is a hagiographic hey chapter on uh, AOC, which is far more cringe than even the stuff that we've heard uh, in you know recent months. You know, uh, but there is a section toward the end where uh, there is a massive straw man of force the vote. Uh, according to Anand, it is. Uh, Jimmy Dore and only Jimmy Dore. There is no Brianna. There is no Justin Jackson. There is no massive coalition of people uh, that we all know were involved in that. It was just Jimmy Dore on and his YouTube channel, his YouTube audience. And uh, he actually elicited some very cringe comments from AOC on the matter. And it was truly infuriating. So I look forward to... Uh, hearing you talk with him about that chapter. <laughs> All right, I am. I am warned. I'm looking forward to it too. Thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right, take care. Keep the faith. Thanks as always for all your you comments too. and participation. Okay, now who told me who was next? Sorry, I had memorized through Jonathan and then I forgot. Um, where is it? Or is it somebody who just put it back in here in the chat? Okay. In the interest of time, I'm going to go to Michelle because I'm pretty sure she was on the list of some someplace. How are you doing, Michelle? Are you with us, Michelle? 
Michelle, did we lose you? Okay. I don't see anybody posting the list either, so I'm going to keep going right along. Felipe, what's on your mind? Hi, Bree. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. What's on your mind tonight? Great. So uh, I'm actually going to uh, change the subject a little bit because I think that most of the callers that um, t- went on so far, I think, already addressed most of the points that I wanted to see addressed. I think you, you know, there's a very disheartening theme of, uh, of uh, you know, what's sad state of the left that we're in. That you know, uh, we get to see somebody go on your podcast and just recycle these old, old points, um, talking points, imperialistic talking points. I would just characterize them, mm-hmm. uh, and you know think that that's a somehow a progressive stance so that, mm-hmm. that that's it's a very saddening part so i'm just going to ask actually a, que- a question I, I meant to ask in a previous calling that we just ran out of time uh that i think it's somewhat related uh but you know let's see uh, i just wanted to grab your thoughts on there's a particular type of um commentators i guess uh that i think developed in the last five years or so i don't know for how long um, that, you know, I would describe them as, you know, the best I can describe is, is you know, the, the quintessential Twitch streamer uh, <laughs> talking about politics. I've seen you that, you, you know, you haven't quite engaged with that uh, kind of, uh, how can I say, lefty commentator so far. I'm actually glad for that you haven't, uh, you know, I, I hope you don't, <laughs> I, which kind of reveals my overall impression of them already, uh, which is not very positive. But since I'm interested in a comms perspective, and, in, you know, that's part of the reason why I come to Bad Space, because I think it's uh, your approach to comms is very interesting. I think we ought to, you know, engage with folks that think differently and whatnot and that see the world differently. I'm just curious if you ever, you know, thought about this kind of phenomenon of, uh, of these folks, you know, I don't know, playing video games and talking about U.S. foreign policy uh, while they do it on Twitch, you know, um, Granted, the little exposure I've had with these folks, they they all have you know takes that I really really disagree with most most of the time. I, I and that's the reason why I particularly don't consume that kind of that kind of um, content. But at the same time, part of me thinks about you know the different ways that uh, we can reach different audiences, um, and I, I don't I don't want to be you know. Uh, criticizing uh, an approach just because I'm not agreeing with their takes and whatnot. And I'm just wanted to see if you thought about that phenomenon, if you have any opinion on it. I'm sorry. I just want to make sure that I follow what, what specific phenomenon. Oh, I'm talking about this, this particular group of online, well, not particular, but this group of online commentators that are doing Twitch streams, mm-hmm. playing video games. Like, think of, say, I don't know, mm-hmm. let me give you some examples. Like, um, like Hassan. I think, I, I think Hassan, yeah, I think Hassan mm-hmm. Parker, Parker is one, like a good example, perhaps, because mm-hmm. he's pretty big and famous. So do I think uh, it's effective, or what do I think about it, generally speaking? Well, I wanted to start generally speaking because I didn't want to bias your response because I have a pretty negative uh, uh, impression of it because I think they have a certain theme. Though they have different views, they tend to have a certain um, similar... Um, take on U.S. politics in general, kind of like aligning with the Democratic Party, you know, being a bit uh, standard when it comes to U.S. foreign policy and whatnot. But, you know, I just wanted to see if you thought about of that, um, 
group of folks and if it's an effective com communication strategy for the left, if it's helpful, if it's not, or, you know, any general thoughts? Well, I, I don't know that I think the medium is at all a problem. I don't Twitch stream, so I don't think it's really fair for me to weigh in on if there are any particular flaws to the medium. It seems to me that a lot of people are doing it and it's productive and good to go where people are spending their time. And for many people that is playing these video games online and talking to them about their political interests. The right certainly is in these spaces trying to recruit people to the right. The video game, I mean, we all know what Gamergate was and the kind of video game to alt-right kind of incelly pipeline was. So I'm very happy that people like Hassan Pegger in that space or people like uh, Contra Boyens kind of t trying to engage in that very online marginalized male young audience directly. I think that's a good thing. Now, I that of course, I can have my political differences with any of the people in that space, and I'm sure that I do. Um, but I don't know that the Twitch is the problem. There are a lot of people in a lot of different spaces, from YouTube to MSNBC to the White House, that I disagree with, but I don't think it's the medium necessarily that's dictating that. What do you think? Yeah, no, I tend to, um, because I see some similarities in the, uh, in most of at least the big ones uh, that, um, that engage in that kind of, I, I, again, I don't, I don't see it all that often. So, you know, it's, I also speak from a place of ignorance in, in a sense. Um, but, you know, I, I, it, it occurred to me that it was um, uh, channeling quite a lot of folks online to what often ends up being a very pro-establishment uh, view of the world. Uh, again, I agree with you that, you know, it's, it, it's definitely not the media, um, but it seems that it's, um, I, I found it curious that uh, that seemed to be a fairly uh, homogenous um, group for, for, um, at least among the big ones that I know. So, um, in any case, it, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe Katie should start twitching. I've thought about it. I bought it, you know, part of the reason I was eager to get a new laptop is because my old one would just not have the bandwidth to handle very much. You know, it's just a matter of band, you know, it's literally my personal bandwidth that prevents me from trying Twitch. But again, I don't think it's a Twitch issue. There are very few people in the world who ultimately I like their politics and they happen not to be on Twitch. They happen not to be on Twitch. But I don't, you know, I think it would be great if, you know, Katie twitched. I think it would be great if Breaking Points were on Twitch. I think it would be great if I twitched. But I don't, you know, I don't, I, I guess if you're asking me whether I, what I think specifically of Hassan Piker's politics, no, I mean, again, no. I don't really listen to his show. So apart from those things that have come up periodically, like him not supporting Force to Vote, I disagree with that. But again, I, I don't know that that's really a conversation about Twitch as much as, or Twitch streamers as a group, as it is about the fact that I don't, <laughs> I don't agree with most people. So, you know, I could say I don't agree with most NBA players. I don't agree with most professional swimmers. I don't agree with most artists. I don't agree with most landscapers, but it doesn't really have anything to do with that. You know what I mean? I just don't agree with most people. <laughs> yeah, no, me. no, fair enough. <laughs> I, I, I think you've done a, you've done, you've done a, uh, you've given me a fair response. So just before I go and keep the line, oh. the line moving, I'll just say uh, um, that um, don't don't buy into Joe's uh, whatever his last name was uh, 
Serenzione. Uh, you guys. Serenzione, thank you. I, I knew it was Italian sounding and in good sounding too. I agree with you on that. Um, but I, I didn't want to butcher it. But just, just I, I don't know. I don't think you should. Uh, I don't think you did, but you know, don't agree with Joe's uh, take that uh, you deceptively edited his uh, so the summary of the conversation. I mean, you would have to do a Herculean effort to make the, his points look good on any sort of edit. So you know, you you were nice enough, uh, and it's quite unfortunate that you know I remember that uh, Sam Cedar had done uh, a similar complaint when you uh, when you posted the summary of on on Twitter. You know, I've watched both of them. Granted, I, I tend to agree more with you than I do with them. Uh, so, I don't know. I'm a biased uh, voice here. But, you know, it's, uh, yeah, brushed it off. That that that's, mm-hmm. wasn't a fair critique. Well, I I, <laughs> I, I appreciate you. And I, I appreciate you seeing it that way. It's, it's not the first time, as you mentioned, that this has happened, that a guest has felt, I don't know, like the clips didn't represent them well. Uh, but I'm not. You know, I'm 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 doing my best. I don't know, and and Armand is doing his best. He's the one that's making the clips up. So credit to him, a hundred percent producer Armand. But thanks for calling in, Felipe. Thank you. You too. Now, uh, blah 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 blah. Oh, Cave, 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 Cave. Where'd you go? Okay. I this is a little out of order, but I'm glad I got to you because I. Th- Feel like you're a newish face, or at least you changed your profile picture recently. What's on your mind tonight, Kava? Kave? How how do you pronounce your name? Kave. Kave. What's on your mind yeah. this evening? Um. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to talk about uh, more of the Joe stuff, although, although um, lots of people have covered it. I, I think everything that Shelley said was uh, gold. Um. But j- just a small correction. It, it was. I think it was the ambassador's daughter to Kuwait mm. that testified in front of uh, Congress claiming that she saw, you know, incubators, uh, babies being put on the concrete so they can take all the incubators back to Iraq. Uh, but she mm. was in the U.S. the whole time. Um, but I, I think the point I wanted to make is generally, like, I understand your point about uh, assuming good faith, right, and having these types of conversations. Mm-hmm. Um but with Joe Serencioni in particular, I think he spent 20 years, as, and I didn't see the previous episode you had with him, but I think he spent 20 years as the head of something called the Plowshares Fund, which is dedicated to, you know, dismantlement of uh, disarming nuclear mm-hmm. weapons, purportedly. Uh, and uh, I think it says on his website that they spent $100 million giving grants to this effect. And last year they awarded $10 million in grants. Mm. Um, and like, I mean, if, if you had a hundred million dollars to spend on, you know, nuclear disarmament, I think a lot more people would know that, you know, the U S is committed to a $1.5 trillion uh, nuclear weapons renovation plan uh, than, than currently do. Right. So it, it's not these people. It's like a lot of these kind of figures from Washington officialdom. I mean, I, I understand assuming good faith and having the conversation with him, but I mean, he, he, he doesn't strike me as a character uh, that you should take seriously. Like I, I was just perusing uh, like his website or the, uh, I, I think he, he gave up uh, the presidency of his organization in 2020. But um, the person who took over the organization was the president of the organization that gave it the more, most grants. Um, that, you know, that was the MacArthur Fund, 
And MacArthur, I think, was the general who dropped a bomb on Nagasaki and then on Hiroshima. Is that who the right? MacArthur Fund is named after? Or I mean, there's, I presume, more than one MacArthur. I'm just asking. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know for sure. But, I mean, I think there is – I, I haven't looked it up for sure. But I think there is definitely a kind of – I mean – these people don't strike me as people who are really that because I mean people would know, like 1.5. Like we're talking about 50 billion going to Ukraine. You know we could have had free healthcare or whatever, but 1.5 tr- uh, or sorry, yeah, 1.5 trillion over the next 30 years for the renovation of nuclear weapons, right? Um, mm-hmm. And no one knows about it, right? So th- these are kind of in in my head. Th- these are really more like people employed as talking heads, right? Uh, and, and whenever, you know, someone wants to make a deal with someone or someone wants to sanction someone, they can refer to, you know, Joe Cirincioni, who thinks it's a good idea or a bad idea, right? And, uh, you know, they... Hello? Hello? Kevin, you cut out after good idea or bad idea for me. Oh, dear. I'm not sure what's going on with the app today. I'm sorry we lost you, Kevin. I see you unmuting and muting. Oh, I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure what's going on. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of what I wanted to say on Joe Cirincione. And, uh, like, not to kind of, you know, beat this to death because people have already made this point, but the point about changing borders, I mean, it's so incredible because, you know, when the U.S. invaded Iraq, the only thing we heard about for about next 10, 15 years is how it had to be split up into like a Kurdistan and like, you know, another area in the south and a Sunni area, you know, in the west. Same thing in Syria that, you know, there's no way these are kind of colonial entities, right? And they're not real entities, and we had to have a certain ethnic group over there and another ethnic group over there. They they put the you know president of Sudan on a sanctions list and took him off only after he agreed to uh, you know to split the southern Sudan off, right? So now we have uh, Sudan and South Sudan, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which which gained independence in a referendum with ninety nine percent. Like this is a ninety nine percent of people in South Sudan, uh, like voted for independence and like people kind of take that seriously. They're forced to. Right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, like, like it, it, and to me, it's not like that he's misguided, right. It's not that he's, it's, it, it seems that a lot of these people have contempt for their audiences and, uh, you know, but I, I do appreciate that, you know, you, you can't start off a conversation like that, but, you know, just, like between us when we're talking about him, I, I, I don't think, uh, you know, we need to take him quite so seriously. Mm. Well, I, I appreciate you calling in and saying that, Kava. Uh, and are you actually a new face or am I just making, are you just a new profile picture? Um, I, I think I spoke once uh, over here at, at the uh, end of a long kind of um, line of people. Uh, but I, I changed my profile picture. So the first time I, I get to speak with this profile picture. Okay, well, it's good to see you, Assange, and um, <laughs> it's nice. It's nice to hear from you. Thank you for calling in. All right, 
Thanks for that. All right. Take Bye. care. All right, Hillary, I think that you are both sequentially next and we're supposed to be next anyway. What's on your mind? Hey, Bree. Hey, what, what's on your mind this evening? Great episode. Um, I think a lot, a lot to talk about. Um, I'm going to kind of go through. I do, I do think what people are talking about, you held firm in trying to get him to, and it seemed like his bottom line was, making sure that the borders were unchanged. And that was his biggest gripe about the letter. That seemed the one substantive thing that he said about the letter, which was very telling, I think, which most people have already talked about. Um, I thought it was interesting, too, because, you know, when I put my blue MAGA Biden hat on, you know, you think about this war is really getting precious minerals, privatizing Ukraine, and then also helping, you know, solidify U.S. at least for the next 10 years in the natural gas market. And I wish, and I think Chris said it, that the libs, the neo-libs would just be more honest about it because I, I wrote down several times, he goes, aid, help, why don't we help free the people? And I think he said, well, it's getting better under Zelensky. They're in the middle of a war. It's getting better. What's getting better? And mm-hmm. then, like, if those people are, will be free, if they come to a ceasefire and the borders are changed, those Ukrainians are now not free people. It was weird. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just muted myself because I'm. Uh, I was trying to plug in my phone, which is dying. Um. Yeah. I. I it was. You know, like it was. Like people have said, it's. It was inconsistent. Was all over the place, and I hate to have to do this, but you had to kind of read into his into his framing a lot of personal bias and a bias for European historical borders that had nothing to do with this intrinsic in- integrity for borders, which seems so post hoc as to not be taken seriously. And it just, yeah, it's, it's I'm sorry, it feels redundant. It's the same question I've been asking. Since the conflict started, like I know that I was way less informed during the Matt Dust interview and people were upset with it. But my question to him is still, I think, the driving question. What is the real, give me a real legitimate rationale for being involved right now. Give me the rationale. And the humanitarian rationale is a, a perfectly legitimate one if you can explain why here and not all the other places in the world. If we lived in a perfect world where the only problem on the whole planet was happening, it was the Russian invasion of Ukraine then it would be a much less bitter pill to swallow. But here we are. Yep, yep. And, uh, yeah, so that – but I did want to say also, I think you showed a clip on the on this episode with Ro Khanna, and he was naming all the generals and talking about, um, you know – almost like the American people should know really, well, we're not getting that information, first of all. And second of all, I'm pretty sure most of those generals invested in Theranos. Like, what? It's just, (laughs) it's so bizarre that we even, it's absurd. I mean, it's absurd that we take Ro Khan is our best bet and he's saying stuff like that. I mean, it's just at some point you have to laugh, I guess. Um, but I did want to ask you one thing about the blind side. And he was pretty big on it too. And very much admonishing 
um, well, in the members, you know, they were really apologetic and it was mm-hmm. those, da- those damn workers. And we mm-hmm. know Jaya Pell. We know I've worked in D.C. I don't live there anymore. But Jaya Paul has been a consistent, terrible pers- yep. woman to work with. I mean, Klobuchar. Democrats, that's why I don't like, I, I don't affiliate with the Democrats. I've worked under Democrats and Republicans. And I have to say, Republicans have been better bosses to me. They do, oh, that's I think, I do, they promote within, they support their own because mm. they want to gain power. The Democrats mm. don't care. They shit on AOC and they still fall in line. Why else mm-hmm. would they do anything? And especially as a woman, um, I see it a lot more prevalent with the the female um you know politician slash um attorneys whatever be it's uh it's very interesting so i was wondering i mean was that a call was that a was that a sign is that do, is there a staffer are they telling us something is there something we need to decipher from this <laughs> Honestly, so I, I had been, he asked me at one point in the interview, like, have you talked to anybody on the Hill? And I said, yes. And it's because there, there has been someone who has some knowledge of a a staffer reached out to me when they knew they found out that I was interviewing Joe and wanted to give in a a superficial way, like a a gloss on what their side of it was. And I, they, they asked that I don't not like, they, they, they have a plan apparently to release something or say something or write a article or something in the near future. And so he said that that's going to come out when it comes out and to not like step on that. But my impression is, I'm sorry. Like I don't need to know anything behind the scenes to know that you're as a leader, your responsibility is to like run your own ship. And even if it were the case that a group of people went rogue, which obviously isn't the case that got all of these signatures at some point, but even if it were a fully rogue operation, what has happened in your chambers where people feel like, sorry, that's a, not your chamber, whatever, whatever senators call it, I'm doing lawyer talk, but what, what, what has gone so wrong that you have this insubordination on your hands? Like, why is it like, yeah. why, why do people feel so desperate and unheard that they would force an issue in this way? Yeah. And you know, it's another unimaginative thing where he was big on the release before the election and I think you said it perfectly I thought when I when it came out I thought it was a weak statement and I saw Aaron Monte was congratulating it and I was like you know great you know this is something and but I knew something was up and um then it was retracted and I, I was pretty blown away because I, I thought, wow, well, this is a giveaway to Biden. Maybe they coordinated it because mm-hmm. a lot of people, I think, are very disenfranchised, you know, just 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 tired of the de- Democrats for this. And I thought, oh, wow, I thought that would be great. And then they retracted it. And it's another Pramila fumble. I mean, what she did with the second installment of um the big funding package that never mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. and the human infrastructure bill. Yeah. Right. And Dave Day and I think said it, I mean, she really ruined any, and that was the weird thing about um, Joe. I think, you know, again, that's what Shelly said. This, this great progressive leader when everybody has been 
anybody, you know, just from a analysis perspective, she's not been a great leader and certainly hasn't done anything materially for a left or progressive um, policy area in terms yeah. of passing anything. Yeah, for sure. It's it's very frustrating. I mean, not even a lot of progressives will stand behind Pramila Jayapal at this point. I mean, and the idea of saying that she's, you know, a truly great leader. I think I saw Ryan Grimm tweeting about how this ruined her leadership chances. Like, I don't know if that's true or not, but a lot of people who are way less critical of the squad have acknowledged her failures, including Dan Day and people who have just been following it from kind of a Hill strategy perspective. So, yeah, that's one of those tells where you're kind of overselling your argument in a way that starts to seem propagandistic and not especially accurate or truthful. So I agree, Hillary. Yeah. Well, I'm going to pop off. I've been uh, watching you since the grapevine days. So excited <laughs> to see what you come out with and to get on some more call-ins in the near future. That's wild. Yeah. I remember feeling like I can't get a word in edgewise in the grapevine. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Trying to get the people to realize that they shouldn't vote for whoever it was at the time. Yeah. Hillary, I guess. Oh my gosh, Hillary, right? <laughs> Thank you for calling in, Hillary. That's hilarious. What a what a fun flashback. Keep yep. it vape. Bye-bye. Uh, Michelle, I'm bringing you back from behind. For those of you who don't know, the hey. Grapevine was a group of young people. I mean, they're not young anymore. They're my age. But at the time, we were, you know, millennials in our late 20s and early 30s. And all black, and they had this show, this YouTube show, where this woman rented a space, and we would record these episodes about various topics and, you know, put them on YouTube. And it had a good little audience that it was growing, and it was pretty sizable. I, I don't know how I ended up on there the first time. I think just me on my Twitter bullshit back when I was fairly anonymous. And my politics were fairly different from the most of the people in the show, but it was pretty well produced for what it was. It was, it was a nice, it was a fun little platform. I wonder if they're still going actually, or if COVID killed it. Um, but oh, Michelle, well, what's on your that mind? Out. That sounds, that sounds like a fun time. <laughs> it was, sometimes those combos were a little rough. I'm not going to lie, but it was a good <laughs> slice of like how real people are and how real people talk and what the real opinions of people are out there in the world. So I think it's useful. Uh, nice. well, what's on your, what's on your mind, Michelle? Um, well, first I wanted to give it a shout out to Shelly and like, honestly, all the callers have just done such a good job. I made some notes on like things when I was listening to the episode too, because it helped with the rage. Um, and I think that the only things that kind of got left out, he like kind of glosses through talking about 500 kids being stolen. Mm -hmm. And I looked into that in the, in our news, trying to figure out what he was referring to. I think he's referring to the people being evacuated from the regions that voted for, you know, annexation to begin with. So I don't think that they are hostile to Russia and I don't think it's at force. I, that things are going to escalate. I have a feeling now that we have bombed Nord Stream and the bridge got bombed and everyone kind of knew this was coming and was hoping that it wasn't going to happen. And. It's really strange to me for Americans to um, kind of identify evacuating people as uh, something that would be negative, like trying to save human lives. Like Russia has told them that it's going to evacuate and we, or it's going to get worse and we want to evacuate people. Mm. And that seems like a humanitarian, like a reasonable position. The, the yeah. idea that they're being sent off to these 
can't, like, I don't know. I, I just didn't even know what to make of that. And I've been trying to look up in our news, you know, what they're, what they're trying to frame is so strange. Um, yeah. So Isha legal DM'd me about this and I haven't really had a chance to go through it, but she says that she's debunked this talking point in the past and pointed me to a thread where she says that basically in April of 2019, Russia had a decree that fast tracked citizenship for certain people who were a stateless and B foreign nationals in certain kinds of situations. Um, Which is a good thing because those regions were being attacked by right wing extremists or by the government, depending on like which government it was under. So like, I, it's so strange to me because like up until Russia entered, it was only those regions being attacked by the government or by, you know, by the right wing factions there. It's so strange to phrase it. They either erase them or they go in and act like somehow Russia in any, in, in those people in any way identifying with Russia is that we didn't go in and train and arm the people who ended up perpetrating the coup, the ones who turned it from a protest to a coup, which like is, is like widely documented. Mm-hmm. It's just so strange to me that you can, like, if anything, America was the first group, the first party to be arming and, you know, militarizing part of this civil war. I, I don't understand a lot of how that's presented, but the colonialist reflex comment really got to me because I don't know how you can go in. A, we've like heard so much information about the fact that there was almost a negotiation. It, it, what is it, February or March that like between the two governments and we know Boris went in and it's leaked from a lot of the different groups that, you know, basically that was shut down because the West did not want it to happen at that point and mm-hmm. told him they wouldn't back him. And I don't know how you can say that you you took that action, you did the coup, and that wasn't colonialist. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's exactly right. You're not spreading democracy. You ended their democracy. Let's be real about what happened. And you can't come at it from this point where you write off all the people in that region and pretend like when they didn't want to be governed by this coup government that they are somehow i i know it's complicated and like you know especially when you talk about like land borders and stuff i think everyone's made good points on that here but like at the very least at the very least even if you're not going to let the people vote on where they want to go and like advocate for something like that for the u.n to come in like if the u.s actually cared about sovereignty and and was going to protect those people and there was anything in the rhetoric that said that they were, wouldn't it be a really different case? And how do you say it's humanitarian if you're not looking out for those people? Yeah, I think you said it really well, Michelle. I don't know that I have anything to add. I think that's spot on. It's it. It was upsetting to hear him say that. That's all I'll say. It was like, yeah. And look, it was upsetting. I wasn't trying to gas. I wasn't trying to like trigger <laughs> my whole audience. But I did. I I did think that he was like the most. He was like a like a, a platonic example of the arguments that are mainstream. Totally. I totally agree. I I think it was great you had him on. It's just, you know, I guess it's hard to hear. 
someone make those arguments like in that way. And I think the last thing I was going to say is like, I, they, they shared this Ro Khanna quote back from 2018 that says, ever since the Orange Revolution began under President Bush, the U.S. Had, has been complicit in the rehabilitation and spread of neo-Nazis in Ukraine. Enough is enough. Our government must stand up to the Azov Battalion and other fascist groups. Mm-hmm. That's real. Like, mm-hmm. that happened? That's Rokana. Mm-hmm. So, like, how do we rewrite a history in the way that we have? And I guess, like, it feels to me like the liberals are really going to have to come to terms with the fact that we have gone in and armed these right-wing extremists all around the world and not not only like destabilized the governments and done tons of things th- that have caused problems but like that they actually go in and sow these divisions amongst the people they play on divisions that are already there and make them so much worse and like in in so many ways that's the most unconscionable thing like Pouring in these anti-Russian narratives, validating these points of view, allowing people to go on the news. I have watched with my own eyes people in the news there saying that the people in the, that it is about the people in the Donbass, that there are 1.2 million of them that are un, unnecessary people. And they are using the words extermination of 1.2 million people on their news openly during this period of time and like what does that put onto us that we've been the ones sorry my cat's like taking little things out these little metal beads out of the flowers and (laughs) kicking it around the table i hope everyone's like not hearing that um but but uh no it just really like you know I think it's much bigger than Ukraine. It's so broad in terms of the number of countries we've done this in. And we really started in that area and like funding those groups pretty much to try to undermine the Soviet Union way back, you know, leading, leading back to World War II. It's just, it's the records are there for all of it at this point. Like it's starting to come out so much more. If you look at books like, um, Jakarta method, it's like you really have to wonder. I think stuff like that makes it so much more clear what our agenda is. Yeah. And and you you there I don't think there is a leftist argument for it. I just don't. Like yeah. maybe that's just me. I, mean, I don't look, know. I, I asked I asked uh I asked um Joanne to give one and it seems like the resounding course of response is that it was not sufficient. So I'm I'm happy to say like I'm I'm happy to resol- be resolved. Um, to the idea that there just isn't a left argument for this at all. Like, again, I, my door is open for anyone who wants to come and make it, but it's not going so well. It's not going so well so far. So I appreciate you calling in, Michelle. I think you've made a lot of really excellent points, and I think the, the chat agrees. Yeah, and thank you for doing this. I just want to say this community, though, is very appreciated, and thank goodness we have spaces like this because you heard those talking points. So... I'm yeah, just I, grateful for I, everyone here. And I, I'm grateful for all of you as well because I am t- I'm taking notes throughout what a lot of you guys are saying and making you know making making notes about where I should follow up and what I should read and what I should watch and who I should listen to and who would be good guests. And I learned so much from you. So, again, thank you so much, Michelle. Absolutely. Have a great night. You too. Keep the faith. All right. Lysol, I think you're the last person who I see, like, in the list, I think Sylvester and some other people dropped out. And you might be the last caller because I, I, I can feel myself fading fast. And I got to wake up 
early and do something with my hair. <laughs> so what's on your mind, Lysol? 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 All right. Going once, going twice. I'm sure this is an app issue and it's not at all your fault. And this feels unethical for me to pass you by and go to Katie. But sometimes it's not a sorting hat. It's a sorting app. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes the app knows what's best, maybe. Katie, what's on your mind? Oof. No, this is this is uh this is a symbol that I should be wrapping. The app is saying, What are you doing, girl? Like, you've been traveling all day, it was humid, you have a whole hair situation happening as a result. You've been away for the entire weekend since Thursday evening. Since twenty minutes after I recorded the Joseph Serencioni interview and I hopped in a car and went to the airport. It's been a whirlwind weekend. Here I am. Near me. Oh, there she is. Hey, Katie. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? What's on your mind tonight? Bring us home. Okay. Um, you know, um, I don't know um, if you had seen Chris Hedges was up in upstate New York on the a sanctuary for uh, independent media. He was here about a week and a half ago. Hmm. No, I didn't see. It's on YouTube now. And it was really, um, you know, very sobering. He was just he had gone through, you know, our, you know, the United States and its involvement and, you know, all the wars. And he had gone, you know, he, ex, you know, he told about his experience and all the horror, excuse me, mm -hmm. all the horrors that <clears throat> I'm just getting over a cold. No, I'm sorry. Take your time. You're fine. Okay. <clears throat> you know, all the horrors that he had experienced and he had seen, and it was really very sobering, you know, it was just really de very depressing. And, um, and, and I remember Shelley had mentioned too about, you know, how he had expressed how, um, you know, how we, how we see other people and we have, uh, you know, uh, Katie, uh, after you said other people, you dropped out. Oops. Sorry about that. Katie? Oh, it looks like she dropped, dropped. Okay. Let's just say that that's a sign and that I should let this go. Okay. Uh, but I will say not only was it the Joseph Serencioni interview, that I recorded as I was running out of the door um, on Thursday. I did two interviews back-to-back -back before I left for the weekend, and both were really extraordinary. So you're going to want to tune in on Thursday's interview for this story that broke last week about all of the malfeasance that uh, is being alleged with respect to Stacey Abrams um, basically fundraising $25 million and giving $9 million of it to a law firm that was run by a friend of hers and legal experts from the NAACP defense fund and elsewhere have said that this is an extraordinary amount to spend on a case of this type. And people are looking for some answers about whether or not a lot of money that was raised in good faith to fund these, um, you know, these voting rights efforts and such uh, was actually put to that end. So 
tune into that. And I will be back next. Oh, can I operate my soundboard? I'm sorry, I'm all over the place. I will be back next uh, week or later this week. And we can continue the conversation. Thank you as always for tuning in. I'm sorry, I'm a little frazzled. I'm a little tired. I'm out of my game tonight. I confess, I need to have some water and go to sleep. <laughs> but I appreciate you all. See you later. Keep it me. Wish I was a lion in the tall grass. Wish I had a pilot on a podcast. Wish I had a strong donkey that can holler ass and travel with portable speakers playing bars scats. Wish I had a million dollars. I wish I had a million hours. Wish I had a million problems That way I couldn't pinpoint all one million outcomes I wish I found a genie lamp I wish them girls gave me them sugar like Beanie Man yeah. I wish I was a comedian Late night sitcom syndicated on TV land I wish this well had water in it These kids are stealing all my pennies Focused on my wealth You can help me wish But I would rather wish the help was like It's like I wish, I wish That every time we love and it feels just like this I wish, I wish That every time we do it it feels just like this I wish, I wish That every time we love and it feels just like this It feels just like this It feels I wish I had a time machine I cried when they shot Medgar ever Tears ran down my spine And I cried when they shot Mr. Kennedy As though I'd lost a father of mine But Malcolm X got what was coming He got what he asked for this time So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Get it? (laughs) I go to civil rights rally And I put down the old D.A.R. D.A.R., that's the dykes of the American Revolution. (laughs) I love Harry and Sidney and Sammy. I hope every colored boy becomes a star. But don't talk about revolution. That's going a little bit too far. So love me, love me, love me. I'm a liberal. I cheered when Humphrey was chosen, my faith in the system restored. And I'm glad that the commies were thrown out from the AFL-CIO bar. And I love Puerto Ricans and Negroes, as long as they don't move next door. So love me, love me, love me, I'm a liberal. Ah, the people of old Mississippi Should all hang their heads in shame Now I can't understand how their minds work What's the matter, don't they watch less crane? But if you ask me to bust my children 
I hope the cops take down your name So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Yes, I read New Republic and Nation I've learned to take every view You know, I've memorized Lerner and Golden I feel like I'm almost a Jew But when it comes to times like Korea There's no one more red, white, and blue So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal I vote for the Democratic Party They want the UN to be strong I attend all the Pete Seeger concerts He sure gets me singing those songs And I'll send all the money you ask for But don't ask me to come on along So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Sure, once I was young and impulsive I wore every conceivable pin Even went to socialist meetings Learned all the old union hymns Ah, but I've grown older and wiser And that's why I'm turning you in So love me, love me, love me 